0: Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports
1: Jacks is on your radio.
0: Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna jar and a jar in Levine
2: Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. Hey everybody and welcome to a Friday on Radio Row in Atlanta, Georgia. Super Bowl 53, now just a little more than 48 hours away. Brent Martineau along with, oh not Austin Lane, but Stuart Weber. Austin Lane headed back. Last night, we will hear from him and in some interviews. Did he make uh, it
3: back alive?
2: They did uh, make it back alive, is from what I understand. Um, maybe they got pulled over again. Maybe. They well. bookended the trip with stops by the Georgia <laughs> <laughs> State Police, I believe.
3: Goodness gracious. Uh, we we this, will do uh, neither. Neither on the front end nor the back end of the
2: trip will that happen to us. Hopefully not. Uh, the story this time was, apparently, this is weird. This must be a Marcel Robinson thing. But Marcel's driving, and the taillights were out, so police pulled him over. in the policeman said brake lights, but it was, he was going, he was on the highway going cruise control, so it wasn't the brake lights, but uh, taillights. And so he said, oh, I didn't know they were out. And, and he flipped them on and off, and then they both came up. Like, his headlights were working, his taillights were not. So we're going to have to get the car fixed, it looks like. i feel be a little short or something.
3: Interesting. I know with, with, I'm know i not a mechanic. I know with those cars, because we got a, a whole fleet of them for Action News Jacks, occasionally you'll take out somebody else's car and not realize that they don't have the headlights on the automatic setting. Like, we keep the automatic setting on Car 11, which is a little insider info. That's the sports car. Car 11. It's the, if you it's, like Denny Hamlin. It's the clean one. <laughs> if you look at all of them. It's also got the least amount of miles. Um, but, uh, yeah, sometimes you'll you'll just be driving and it'll have, like, the running lights on and you won't realize it because it's not your normal news car.
2: Yeah, makes sense. But, uh, anyway, they got back safe and sound. And uh, we'll hear from uh, Austin some interviews and uh, had a fantastic week. Uh, but I those guys back, we have a special coming up tomorrow night at 7 o'clock uh, on TV side. So Marcel had to get going back and... Uh, those guys were not going to go to the Super Bowl. So that's why it uh, worked out this way. We are here, though, and we are loaded up. Fantastic show. Might have just done the best interview of the week. I mean, not me, just I thought it was maybe the best interview of the week. You will hear from guys like Alan Robinson, we think Yannick Ngakwe, Mike Golick, Carson Tinker may stop by. We've been talking a little high school football on a couple of fronts and uh, so much more coming up. Uh, here on the show today, so uh, we're excited about it. We're ready to go, and by the way, you should start being excited about the uh, Super Bowl because it's now two days away. Rams and Patriots, and again, what's amazing about this week? It's there's no drama. There's nothing. I mean, there really is nothing. Uh, Dante H- Hightower from the Patriots had he's got uh, he was sick, so he missed practice yesterday. Uh, everybody's pretty healthy. Unless we get the reports today and there's something more than that, from a football standpoint, the storylines really haven't changed since these two teams won championship games, since Tom Brady said he will be back uh, without question, and since Monday night when we had media night, really a lot of the topics have not changed from a football perspective. So uh, I think that's a good thing for both teams. I thought it was interesting because Patriots are practicing at Georgia Tech. Sony Michelle and David Andrews, two former uh, Georgia Bulldogs, they were not happy about practicing at Georgia Tech because, of course, that's the rival.
3: It's too far of a drive to Athens, though, to uh, to really make sense of that. Uh, a little breaking news here from uh, David Wolf: Yannick Ngakwe, on the way. Uh, very good. He so was, we'll, uh, he's uh, we'll on top. On. There he is right there, actually.
2: Oh, oh, so we might get him on like right now? Yeah, like right now. Like he's over my shoulder, probably? He is about ten steps away from your shoulder. Oh, boy, look out. I don't want Yannick Ngakwe coming up strip sack fumble here on my blind side. I think we're going to get him. Big number 91. What's up, man? We are live back in Jacksonville on ESPN 690. So hop right in there, and uh, good to get it going with Yannick Gakway. How you doing?
4: I'm doing great, man. It's feeling, just feeling great being in Atlanta right now. Just enjoying the sound.
2: All right, give us a little idea. How long have you been here? Did you just get in? What, what's the plans for you, Super Bowl week? Why did you decide to come?
4: Well, I actually arrived uh, yesterday around 2 p.m. I just decided to come, you know, uh, like to do some media, you know, talk to you, uh, talk to a couple of people, but you know, also just enjoy the time. Never really been in Atlanta like that, so it's a, it's a good time to just try to experience it.
2: What do you think about it? What do you think about the I scene it's, here?
4: I think it's, the scene is nice. I like like the uh, city, how big it is, it's spacious. There's a lot of things to do, a lot of good places to go get food. So it's pretty nice.
2: Yeah, good stuff. Uh, How's the off season
4: going for you? Did you guys did you get away from football a little bit? Well, I'm honestly haven't gotten away from football. Um, I've been lifting a lot, you know, just training and uh, doing a lot of Pilates classes and stuff like that, trying to stay nimble, get stronger, but uh... You know, I think I'm going to take a trip uh, sometime in February. But right now I'm just trying to get, you know, be the best version of me for next year.
2: When uh, you say take a trip, uh, how much planning goes into that? Is, is uh, it just spur of the moment type yeah, of thing? Yeah, I think it's like a
4: spur of the moment kind of thing. You know, I don't really try to plan it. I'll just think about it and just try to get up and go. I saw Kaleas earlier. He was trying to talk me to go to South Africa. He said it's unbelievable. No, I, I've seen the videos. the videos. The videos look like it was nice. I've he was like, by uh, a lion family and things of that nature. But uh, I actually just ran into Kaleas in the lobby too. So it's great seeing him. What is your off-season goal
2: individually for you? Uh, what do you tr- I mean, I'm sure you set some things that coming off every season, Yeah. Uh, but it feels like this one was a little bit different. You always play with a chip on your shoulder. I got a feeling that
4: chip's going to be pretty large going into 2019. Yeah, man, I feel like you're a pretty smart guy for thinking like that, man, because <laughs> uh, definitely the chip has gotten even bigger. You know, uh, I feel like I just went under the radar a little bit. You know, guys are not giving me my respect. I, I got to – it has to be to the point where you talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars – you're talking about 91, like he uh, a, key, a key player, a key guy, you know what I mean? And that's what I want to bring to the facility. That's what I want to bring to the organization.
2: All right, let's talk about that a little bit more because I think teams plan for you. You know, maybe the outside world isn't talking about 91, but I think inside uh, the football rooms and I think inside buildings and when people were scouting you guys and putting game plans together, I think for the first time in your career, I think they started to game plan against Yannick Ngakwe a little bit. Did you feel that in the 2018 season?
4: Yeah, definitely, but, you know, uh, the greats, they adjust to it. Uh, this is really the first time, like you said, you know, I was getting double-teamed on first and second down, chipped, and uh, things of that nature, but, you know, the greats, they find a way to make plays, uh, all of them, Lawrence Taylor, Michael Strahan, all the great d they, they found a way to make plays regardless of how much attention they're bringing and tracking And If you're a great player, if you're getting double-teamed, you're making the other guys around you better because you're freeing them up to make plays as well. Yeah, I want to deeper dive into that, just for a layman's turn.
2: People just, you know, I think we always assume everybody knows the game well. I, I, I don't claim to know it like you know it, and you guys are in, in this thing every single day, and, and you're experiencing it. But what does that mean in terms of people were chipping you, and how hard is that to uh, set a game plan for yourself when you know that's happening? I mean, that's basically you're just getting drilled sometimes right in the in the rib section. I mean, that hurts.
4: Yeah, definitely. Right? You know, but uh, that's just... It's a compliment at the same time because if you're that much of a factor to an opposing offense that they have to bring two guys against you, that's just that's a compliment in itself. But at the end of the day, like I said, the greats find a way. And if you're getting a double team, I know it might mess up your rush or it might mess up your assignment, but you got to find a way. How uh, do you how do you
2: combat it? What what will what have you learned over this past year that will add to maybe your repertoire a little bit from a pass rushing standpoint?
4: Yeah, just definitely, like, um, I learned a lot, you know, from how to open up a game um, and not just thinking too much. And it's certain keys that I've learned over time from, you know, just being around guys like Calais and older guys like that in particular, really him. And it's things that I picked up which helped me make uh, more, way more plays than I usually did. So bringing that into this beginning of the season will be definitely pivotal for me.
2: One thing that's always interesting me about you, and I can't really put my uh, finger on it, so maybe you can help us. Where does this internal motivation come from? Uh, what, was it something about your your upbringing? Uh, was it instilled by your parents? Was there a motivational force? there? I mean, you have so much self-motivation, internal motivation. I understand you have to almost do that to be a pro athlete to get to where you guys are at. But it does feel different. We talk to a lot of people. I've been in this for 20 years, man. Talk to a lot of people. Yours feels a little different. Where does it
4: come from? Uh, this is, this is become, it stems from a lot of things. Like you said, upbringing, uh, you know, growing up in the inner city of D.C. and having a single mom watching her work back and forth Monday through Sunday, uh, slaving, that, that, that weighs a factor. That grows a natural chip in you that never leaves because that builds work ethic. You know, you see your mom getting up every day early in the morning, not making any excuses, still putting food on the table. It just instills work ethic in you. And then, you know, just going third round, like I always say, and... I want to be that one. I want to be the key guy. After this season, I will be a key guy that you will always talk about. I can guarantee it. Is your mom like that? My mom. She Does she just, have that edge? She has. Yeah, she has the edge. She just doesn't make any excuses. She doesn't make no excuses at all. Like I've seen this lady. She caught a flat tire and still trying to find a way to get to work while it's snowing six inches of snow. Like. That's just the type of person she is, so for me, I can't pack it in, never. All right, it's twofold for you, though, in 2019. We've talked to you a lot. You just said, you
2: just guaranteed, you said they're going to be talking about 91, but you also have put it on yourself, at least when we left you in the locker room in December and early January, that you want to become more of a leader of this football team. Absolutely. Well, is it hard to do both, worrying about the other guys, leading the right way, but also
4: trying to get the best out of yourself? If you can be the the best version of yourself, I feel like it can become contagious. I know it can become contagious. So if I'm being the best version of myself, I'm not. I'm not slacking in the off-season training. I'm pushing guys out there when we're doing sprints, the things that people don't want to do. I'm there when nobody wants to be there. You know that's going to be. It's going to become contagious when guys start to buy in. You're just naturally leading guys just in that way. You have an edge.
2: I feel like just outside looking in. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. I feel like coming off the success of 2017. Yeah, injuries. Yes, yeah, not as good a play. All those things factor in. But it felt, maybe because of the losses, that some guys lost the edge a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you feel that at all in your locker room in
4: 2018? That guys lo- I just feel like, I wouldn't say guys lost it. I feel like guys forgot. Forgot about how we were the underdogs in 2017. Uh, the work that we got to put in and how we have to be consistent about not... Looking at what people are saying on the TV about uh, about them praising us, because at the same time when you do bad, they're going to talk about you even worse. So we got to just find that happy balance and find that that swag about ourselves again, and just use that this season. There
2: was some uh, talk that a lot of people thought maybe Todd Wash uh, might not be back, or so. I mean, when you lose, people talk about changes. Uh, your views on your defensive coordinator? Uh, I never heard of that one. Yeah, I, well, I, you don't pay attention to the outside oh, world, right. <laughs> which is the smart yeah. thing, <laughs> yeah. but. What's that's views, what they're saying? Well, that's what they've said. I mean, in November, December, it's, it's media, it's fans. It's I'm not saying players in your locker room. But uh, what does he bring to the table for you guys on defense? I mean, I never thought he, he would be replaced, by the way. I mean, if you look at the numbers, it's top five defense two years in a row. Yeah. So uh, what, what does he bring to the table? What do you guys have to do better at defensively to even hit that level maybe
4: you were at in 17 or more so? I don't even say it's what we can do better on defense because I feel like – the same, the same situations we were brought uh, this season, we had the same similar situations last season, but we didn't finish. Uh, we finished last season a lot of situations. We helped our offense out a lot. We forced turnovers, scoring touchdowns. Uh, our defense was basically an offense as well. So Coach Watch always puts us in the right position. And one thing I love about him is he lets you play free. Yeah, like During the week in practice, we have to be assignment sound. You know what I, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, when, when Sunday, when it, when it kicks off, Because Washi lets us go out there and just go out there and have fun. There were some changes. uh, He's not not uptight about anything. He's not scared to call a a, a blitz, and I love it. There were some changes, though. Were you a little surprised Marion Hobby uh, wasn't coming back? Yeah, I was surprised about that. But uh, I actually talked to Coach Hobb. Coach Hobb, he's doing good, and he definitely told me to keep in touch. And I'm definitely going to keep in touch. And uh, I'm just thankful because he was able to coach me the time he did coach me. And he taught me some tricks uh, as far as the pass rush what to look for and things of that nature, which helped me make a lot of plays this season, uh, even though it was a down year.
2: All right, we're going to get uh, Yannick Ngakwe out of here in just a moment. But uh, fantastic pass rusher for the Jacksonville Jaguars joining us live here on ESPN 690 Appreciate from that. Radio Row and Super Bowl 53. Don't go anywhere just yet. i got to ask you a couple more quick ones. One, where are you in terms of mentality for this contract? Everybody's talking about it, man. How, uh, do you expect a payday soon? Are you
4: okay if you don't get a payday soon and you have to earn it for one more year? Uh, I mean, uh, the body of work that I put together, it's 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 not a question if I I shouldn't get paid. I, I definitely should get paid, but at the end of the day, it's the decision of the front office and what they want to do. And at the end of the day, I'm just here, man. I'm employee 91. I love playing football, and we talked about leadership before. That's all I'm here to do is be a leader, make plays, and that's it. Are there any conversations yet? Uh, I haven't heard any conversations as of yet, but
2: it should be happening soon. What's it like to be a player on a football team and you don't know what your quarterback situation is going
4: to be like in in this fall? You don't know. It's kind of weird. I I feel like it's kind of weird not knowing the situation, but at the same time, I understand it's a business, and I understand that uh, rosters change each and every year. So, all right, last one. Rams are playing. That means Dante Fowler
2: Jr. is playing. Can you set the record straight? What's the relationship like for you and Dante? Are you rooting for him in, in this Super Bowl? And the Super have contact B-
4: at all with him? Yeah, in the Super Bowl, I'm I'm rooting for Dante. I want I want Dante to be the Super Bowl MVP. That's my personal wish for this game on Sunday. I want Dante to be Super Bowl MVP. They bring all this attention on the inside interior guys, and they're leaving out my boy. and My boy need to go take off and strip Brady a couple times and take it home. Wait a minute. So you guys have a good relationship. I want to see everybody win. Of course, I want to see everybody win. The thing about life is, you can't hold grudges. You can't. You can't. You can't do that. You got to be able to communicate and talk things out. And that's what we've done over the previous time. And that's my guy. At the end of the day, if I seen Dante right now across the street fighting some guys, I will run right over there and help him because at the end of the day, that's still my brother. Good stuff. He's got a chance to win a Super Bowl, and uh, by the way, he's going to get paid too. It looks like both I, of Oh ways. yeah, he's definitely going to get paid.
2: Uh, Yannick and Gakwe. The big YN on the neck. I like it. A
4: little bit of, a little, little something. A little,
2: little new jewelry. Hey, go get a vacation. You can take a vacation for a week, all right? All right, I will. It's all I, right. will.
4: I can still do some cardio in between, though, right?
2: But then, you can, you can, and then. We want to see like 15 sacks next year. Defensive Player of the Year. do hold me short. 15 is kind of short. Listen, I just I don't want to get it too far out there. You okay. got to go obliterate that mark. That's the over under 15. You got it. I got you. Now you can Gakway, Jacksonville Jaguars defensive end. He's awesome. Thanks for stopping by, man. Good to see you at Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. More to come on ESPN 690 when we come back. All Super Bowls
4: is meaningful, you know. But of course, if you get to be the coldest guy of your era, man, it's going, it's going to be a little asterisk next to that one. Like, yeah, this one was against Tom Brady right here. So it does make it a little bit extra sweet just to get the play. Bill Belichick taking time in the chip.
2: That's Aqib Tlaib, of course, playing for the Rams. And uh, he stopped those Patriot teams in the past with the Denver Broncos. Can they do it again out there in L.A.? Aqib Tlaib, does he look like the the oldest human being ever? I mean, it, it, for, like, a guy still playing football, I don't even know how old he is. He's probably, like, around 36, but he feels like, he's like, uh, remember Otis Nixon? You do? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Otis Nixon looked like he was, like, 55, right? He looked like 55, he was 60. Right? Yeah, he was, like, 60 years I old. I feel like that about a keep to Talib.
3: I felt a little bit of that looking at that Julius Peppers retirement video. Like, he had so much gray in his hair. I don't yeah. know if it was just colored, but I'm like, oh, how old is uh, Julius Peppers? When 39. Yeah, you know, when I saw that video, I was like,
5: man. Yeah,
3: pretty old in that thing. I guess that's why he's retiring. Hey, how good was and Ngakwe?
2: Awesome to have him stop by. Uh, we thought he was coming by a little, a couple minutes uh, uh, later, but he's on Coughlin
3: time. Well, for those watching the stream, uh, they saw you talking. Your phone was going off. I grabbed the phone, <laughs> and then the phone said it was the Jags PR guy. So I'm yeah. like, oh, this is probably a Jags player coming our way. Let's make sure we answer this so you get a little inside uh, the business if you're watching on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, and and we got people,
2: We got people commenting on there too, which is pretty cool. We do. Z Fortner uh, chimed in uh, and said, "Asking the tough questions with Yannick." Well, thank you for the love. Uh, good job. I, I appreciate that. Uh, never going to turn down accolades, but it's really all about Yannick. He's so good. He's willing to answer him. He, he shoots you straight, and uh, you feel comfortable asking him those questions anyway. And I I was listen. We have heard a lot about him and Dante Fowler Jr. and what's happened there, and obviously we know a little bit about training camp, and we've heard some other things, how that spilled over, even into the locker room, and even days later it still wasn't good. And he had very nice things to say about Dante Fowler Jr. So uh, you know good for Yannick Ngakwe, kind of setting the record straight on that front. Uh, we will share some more of the sound and some of the powerful moments, but I thought the most powerful was everybody in the NFL is going to know about number 91 this year. And he stopped for a second, and he said, I guarantee
3: it. It's funny because as as, uh, the interview was taking place, uh, one of the international media folks who's seated at a table near us came up to me as I was working the camera over there and asked, who's that? Yeah. Hopefully that's not a problem for Yannick next year. Next year he'll be able to say who he is, and put himself out there. Well, that's the problem with Yannick Ngakwe, and he
2: sees it. That's where he gets the chip, because nobody really gives him any love. He, he doesn't get a lot of credit. Now, I think in Jacksonville, we sure do. But And, and you know, again, like I said to him, I think uh, in in meeting rooms around the NFL, when they, they prepared for him, they game-planned for him. I talked to Calais a lot about that this year, about how he was – because at one time during all, Jaguars All-Access, I said to Calais, I said, Calais, I don't think Yannick's playing very well. Like, I haven't heard his name called in weeks. And he said, he's not playing bad. They are double-teaming him. They are chipping him. They are getting after him. And it's making it hard for him. And he will have to learn how to deal with that. And this is going to be a growing year for that. And that's what we talked about. And it'll be interesting to see how he combats it. What I love about Yannick Ngakwe, though, is that personal drive that It seems next level. It just seems next level uh, when you get to Yannick Ngakwe. He gave us a little insight about his upbringing and his mom and and how she's an inspiration. Uh, But, man, that's tough, especially when he's had some success. But he's still got a place to go that he wants to get to. And uh, I thought it was pretty crystal clear. I even gave him an over-under 15. He thought I was cutting himself short. So uh, he had nine and a half sacks this year. I think a lot of people said, where did Yannick Ngakwe go? Still had nine and a half sacks. He's still very good. And once again, it's worth reiterating, the reason Dante Fowler Jr. got traded, the reason Dante Fowler Jr. wasn't going to get paid, the reason Dante Fowler Jr. didn't have his option picked up is because of the third-round pick out of Maryland, Yannick Ngakwe. Now, did Dante have some part of that? Sure. Yes. But the Jags would have ridden and taken a chance with a pass rusher like Dante Fowler Jr. They would have put up with some of the antics if they did not have Yannick Ngakwe. So he set the table, made it easier for the organization to at least go that way, get a third and a fifth back, and now he's going to carry that load. And uh, he has been talking about leadership since mid-December. He did not like the way that all went down last year, and I think some of the internal stuff in that locker room, and now he's going to put it on himself to be a leader. So uh, I'm I'm fascinated at times with uh, Yannick Ngakwe. It should be fun to watch.
3: And I think that that entire... Situation you're talking about, where Yannick's play kind of allowed the Jaguars some flexibility to to move a guy like Dante and and get something back for him, uh, which you know is terrific. I think that really plays to just how important the lead up to the draft is and the draft when we get there. I mean, if you're talking about finding guys like this in that third round, fourth round, Telvin Smith, fifth round, you know, you're talking about these guys who who the Jaguars had paid and who have become key players, it shows you, you know, it's more than just the first-round pick, which has been hit or miss, obviously, uh, under this regime. Uh, it's about those second-day, third-day picks as well. And if you do miss early, right? Like, in my opinion, you, you get can more than miss
2: one. on Dante Fowler Jr. if you hit on Yannick Ngakwe in this way. Yeah. So people don't like to talk about that. People kill Dave Caldwell for what he's done. And, yeah, they haven't been great. But I always say two things about what Dave Caldwell did with those first-round picks. You pick players, you draft players, and you sign players to go to this game here, to get to the Super Bowl, to go to places you haven't been as a franchise. Well, that group of players, Ramsey, Fowler, Fournette, even Bortles, they helped get this franchise to its third-ever AFC Championship game. You can't tell me those weren't good picks in some respect. Now... Were they the picks that you want out of your first round? Well, Jalen Ramsey is, it appears. But the other ones from a longevity standpoint, second contract, I understand. But there is still this element that they got you to where you want to get to, or at least real close, a place that only two other teams in franchise history had been to, the AFC Championship game. So it's not a complete bust when it comes to that. And again, like you just said too, Stuart, if you do well in those other ones, well... You you would take right now if the Jags take two quarterbacks and one works out first round or in third round. Who cares which one it is, as long as one of them works. Out. One works, yeah. <laughs> and that's what happened in the pass rushing uh, position. And I think Dante Fowler Jr. still was productive at times. It's just, not as productive as I thought. It's just optics with the QB position.
3: Wow, well, you a different can't go kind of take optics. a guy in the first and third.
2: Different kind of optics. Yep. I think we're going to talk a little London when we come back. A little Fulham, a little Richard Graves, the man from Sky Sports. He's everywhere. I don't know why he just doesn't live in the States. Get a little accent on ESPN 690 next. The one-on-one matchups
6: provide challenges you know obviously even if Rob's covered he's got the ability to make those contested catches they can displace him from the core I mean you look at a third and 10 against the Chiefs he's winning on a slant and he's you know they go into alert coverage and you know Tom does a great job moving his eyes and then he whips a slant in right behind him and I mean he's a great matchup problem and I think when you look at a receiver and a
2: tight end that are truly complete players uh, you know that's exactly what what Gronkowski and Edelman are. That's Sean McVay. He knows all about his own team, and I think he knows all about the New England Patriots. I'll tell you what, if there's one team none of us really have to study, it's the Patriots. I mean, I don't know if the rest of the NFL feels that way. Like, they've seen them as much on TV as we've all seen them on TV because they probably don't watch the NFL like we watch it. They're kind of hunkered down in a building most of the time studying their own film. But do you even have to study the New England Patriots anymore? I mean, heck, it's been nine years of this on this stage over the last two decades. Unbelievable. I know this guy doesn't have to study them. He knows them all by heart now. Let's bring in Richard Graves from Sky Sports, Brent Martin, along with Stuart Weber as well, Action Sports Jackson, on ESPN 690, live from Super Bowl 53. How are you doing, man? Step up to that microphone and uh, let us know what's happening in London these days.
7: Well, I'm good. It's great to be here, my sixth Super Bowl in a row. Great to be with you guys. First time on here with you guys at the Super Bowl. Um, It's crazy. The last 24 hours, business has picked up around here, hasn't it? It's certainly. It's amazing how it changes. Monday, Tuesday, Mm -hmm.
2: Wednesday, we're going through the streets on those scooters that they've got out there. And I'll tell you, you could drive right in the middle of the road if you wanted to. There's really nothing. And I thought the reason for that might have been because a lot of the road closures. I just wasn't aware of it, but I thought maybe that's why. Thursday
7: around here. That's when you saw people come into town. Wow. Scoot Life came to a close. Yes, yeah, it's, thir- it's really hard to scoot out it, there. Is down. it over now? Is that there's, what you're telling me?
3: There's so many people out there. It's you, dangerous. You, yeah, you, you, there's people on the sidewalks. There's cars on the streets. It's, uh. I, I well, dig my first, ankle too, so it's. The, you the know. first
7: three days I saw folks going along these scooters without a care in the world. Didn't matter if there's a car there, they were going straight through. So it's good to know it's become dangerous for them as well now because they weren't fussed, quite frankly, at start this week.
3: I did hit my ankle with the scooter, so, you know. Is it
7: all right? Is it bruised? It's a
2: little bruised,
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah. He kind was a little scared to get out. A little cream this on that. Yeah, I'll,
7: I'll have
3: to. Uh, I'll have to apply some ointment later.
2: Rub a little dirt on it. Uh, you know, here's the deal. Atlanta's doing a nice job with the Super Bowl. It's been a fun week, and I don't know if it's just because we're doing a radio show now that it feels a little different to me. But I feel like radio. We, we always stay on Radio Row anyway, much like you. And. I think the Radio Row has been fantastic the last three days. Uh, Hopping, good energy in here, lots of different stars and players. Different than Minnesota, remember, because people didn't want to get up to Minnesota.
7: I've got to be honest. Uh, Minnesota did a great job of hosting the Super Bowl. But the Radio Row was confined in the, in the Mall of America. Oh, that was tough. Whereas we've gone back to allowing folks to weave in and out between tables a, a certain sectioned areas of Radio Row. They can choose who they see, who's been interviewed, get autographs, stop by, have photos. It, there's more room around here. I think this works better.
2: Yeah, Richard Graves from Sky Sports with us. He does a fantastic job, and we've become friendly over the years because you're at all these events. Uh, give us a little background. Like Sky Sports covers the NFL Really well. To, I mean, they oh, send thank you. They send you all over yeah. the place. I mean, you are we're, we see you at the draft. We see you yeah. at the Super Bowls. We see you in Jacksonville sometimes talking to Shad Khan. Mm-hmm. Or we've had you on a bunch of different platforms. Why is it so important to Sky Sports to send you all over the place covering the NFL? I,
7: I think it's become more important as time has gone on. You go all the way back to 2007 and that first international game at Wembley. The rain was pouring down, mud flying everywhere. Eli Manning scoring a rushing touchdown, as if that's ever happened. Um, And it wasn't a great game, quite frankly. And a lot of people looked at it, uh, and they sneered at this idea that you could have NFL games played on a competitive level abroad for any sustained period of time. Now, credit to the NFL, credit in particular to NFL UK, who persevered. They listened to both the players, the teams, and the fans. They've ironed out issues. And now you guys know for yourself, because you come and visit us once every year, The, the whole... Game day experience, the week leading up to it, is, has transformed what it was way back then. Uh, and more often than not, I think this is hugely complimentary to everybody in the UK that people come over for the first time and those that have experienced Super Bowls say that international game experience now is the closest thing you get to a Super Bowl atmosphere without it being the Super Bowl. Uh, and that takes some work to win over so many doubts.
2: Yeah, and, and because of that, I think some of the. All the different jerseys you see. You don't always see just the two fan bases here at the Super Bowl, so it does have that feel, the big event. Will we ever see a Super Bowl over there? No. No. Why? Uh,
7: Well, I I listened to Commissioner Goodell in his news conference on Wednesday, and and, uh, It was interesting to hear him categorically rule it out because there's no one that's a bigger advocate of expanding the the handprint of the the game than than he is. But look, the Super Bowl is the crown jewel in the American sporting calendar. If you move it abroad, say you move it to London then you've, you've got a, a five-hour time difference to the East Coast, eight hour to the, the West Coast, and it doesn't work, quite frankly. Super Bowl Sunday is an institution here in the States. It might as well be a national holiday. You start playing with that, you lose something from it, uh, and there's some things that shouldn't be tampered with, uh, and this is one of them.
2: I'm going to give Richard Graves from Sky Sports the credit for saving the perception of the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise because he asked the question to Commissioner Roger Goodell on Wednesday about, A potential franchise in London. And I want to see if you interpret what he said the way I interpreted what he said. And he answered it uh, very well. He said, listen, we love what's going on in London. The fans have been great over there. The stadiums have been great over there. Everything has been wonderful. We want to continue to grow it. But after that, he kind of said, we're not sure it's NFL ready yet for a franchise. Uh, He didn't quite frankly say there will not be a franchise there. But I certainly thought that he said, don't expect one anytime soon, like not for another decade or so.
7: Well, there's two things to to take out of that. One is, like you say, he certainly kept his options open. I thought his answer was was politically very astute.
2: He he was that part of the
7: game. (laughs) Um, However, I also thought it was interesting that what he didn't say which was he talked about maintaining the competitive balance for the one team that would be based over there and the 31 others that are based here in the United States, which, reading between the lines, says there's going to be no expansion franchise. If it's going to happen, it's going to come from one of the 32 teams we've got here. Now, whether that happens in the next three years, 10 years, 15 years, it's almost... No point in discussing it because it cannot happen, quite frankly, right now until the CBA is renegotiated and there's wording to that effect put into it. There's no point in in debating it. You can't move a team outside of the United States. It's my belief that when the CBA is renegotiated in the next two years, there will be wording for that. It then becomes, as as with all things with the NFL, how quickly they want to move. You know, we talked for nearly 20 years about having a team back in L.A. And for 20 years, nothing happened. And then almost overnight, you suddenly get two teams moving over there. So if you're willing to second guess what the NFL wants to do, you're a better man than me and you probably can make some good money out of it. (laughs) Yeah, and
3: we we were a little surprised because you, you talk about how there's always that momentum and you're pushing forward. We thought for sure... This was going to be the year that a team had to play two games in a row to test out some of that idea, that philosophy to see w- what their recovery is going to be like to have to do a road game and a home game over there. And we didn't see that. This and time. I'm convinced the Jags will be that team, by the way,
2: when well, that happens. It, it
7: would no, make I'm, sense, I'm not saying
3: going it? over there. Do not
2: interpret that that way, Jacksonville. <laughs> I did not say that. I'm saying what Stewart just said
7: is playing an away game and a home game. I think will be Jacksonville when they ever decide to do that. It it would make sense because they've invested so much time, effort, and money into building that fan base over in the U.K., but it's also worth noting as well. A stipulation of Shad Khan's deal to keep the Jags playing one game a year in London is that if it's a home game they're giving up, they are not playing anywhere other than Wembley Stadium. So if you want to see the Jags play at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium now that it's going to be up and running for next season, it would have to be a road game. I agree with you. We spoke about it 18 months ago that we thought it might happen then. The fact that it still hasn't is a little bit baffling, but I do know from speaking to officials in New York, they almost have got to the stage now where... They don't feel that needs to be tried and tested. They feel they've seen enough for them to say that London can host whatever uh, competitive game is thrown their way, and they think they've essentially got the facilities in place to host an NFL team for a week or more. But it comes down to what the commissioner said on Wednesday. There's got to be competitive parity for the two teams. The moment you start... And tilting the balance one way or the other, that's when you're going to have problems.
2: And he quite frankly said they haven't figured that part out. They don't know when they'll figure that part out. That's why it's open-ended. Okay, we've got to get going, but I want to do a couple quick hitters. con Wembley Stadium. Why do I feel like that's going to come back at some point in the future?
7: Uh, if you're asking me, without a doubt, it's coming back. We both spoke to him at Wembley Stadium in October. Uh, and I know he said to me that it's something he still wants to do, but it is vital for him to have the football association and all the uh, minor associate regional associations on board as well. So I think he's waiting for them to come back and say, right, we're behind you, in which case he'll give it the green light tonight if that happens. And so it will come back.
2: Awesome. Good answer on that. And then uh, go Ray, ahead. I'll let you, soccer yeah, guy, I'll ask, ask it, about Fulham.
7: Can
3: Ranieri keep them up? I mean, they, they obviously just got a huge You can't win. ask me that question. I have to. I, we have to. That, that's Jacksonville's. Premier League team, and they did just come back from two nil down.
7: That was a big win the other day. Do we think Shad Khan's listening to this? Uh, nah,
2: <laughs> I'm going to say no. Well, listen, <laughs> I don't think he listens to me. Maybe you've got the clout where he, he listens to
7: you.
3: It, it, it is a climb if they want to get out of that spot right now, because they're, you know, to be
5: honest, you think they're in trouble. I yeah.
7: have they're five points adrift of safety, despite that big win uh, the other night. It, it's it's an uphill task right now, and. Uh, Claudio Ranieri is adored by soccer fans back in the UK because no one can forget the job he did with Leicester City. The only problem you've got is if you look at Claudio Ranieri's career, that's the only major league title he's won. And quite frankly, whilst he's done a job, it's not always been the most successful job wherever he's been across um, Europe. So if he keeps them up, it'll be a huge achievement. I've got to say right now, it's a tall order.
3: I get the sense if he does it'll almost feel like a title.
7: Oh, absolutely it will. Yeah. Given the way they started, oh, it'd be a heck of a job.
2: By the way, I'm going to steal that line, and I'm going to say it repeatedly on this new radio show, five points adrift of safety. There you, you go. You said it eloquently. That's I it. loved it. It was fantastic. Yeah, Richard Grace, Sky Sports, awesome job, man.
7: Great, Safe see travels, you okay? Was we'll he at the draft? I'm going. To, I'm not going to say yes, but I'm saying it's 70-30 in favor. <laughs> <laughs> Nashville is a fun city. Well,
3: so. either way, I'll
2: see you Sunday at the game. Great stuff. All right, to it, guys. Richard Grayson, Sky Sports. Coming up next, the Hall of Famer joins us, Vito Stellino. He's back, Jacksonville. Next on ESPN 690. Fred Martino on Radio Row, Super Bowl 53, Atlanta, Georgia. A lot of fun here this week uh, in Atlanta. I think they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, good to have and Ngakwe on earlier. Richard Graves from Sky Sports just joined us. We'll have a conversation with Alan Robinson and Mike Golick to come. But none of those guys have the credentials of this guy. Pro Football Hall of Famer joins us right now. Vito Stolino, of course. Hey, Vito, how you doing? Just fine. How's everything? Good, good. Sorry we missed you yesterday. I know we wanted to tackle you over here on Radio Row, and uh, uh, we couldn't couldn't meet up, but you are in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, you had I a...
8: didn't see you. I'm sorry.
2: No, 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 that's fine. You're in Atlanta somewhere out on the streets uh, where business has picked up and it's getting a little busier on this Super Bowl weekend. But you had a uh, Hall of Fame luncheon today. Tell us what goes on uh, during the Hall of Fame luncheon. You're a voter for the Hall of Fame. You're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, what happens at that lunch?
8: Well, they uh, uh, it's called the Merlin Olson. Uh, it's uh, you know, kind of a, in, in his memory – uh they have maybe fifty or sixty uh you know hall of famers in their gold jackets they they have the uh all the candidates uh, for this year or in the case of you know illness or, or 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 they passed on their relatives and uh you know they show some nice videos and talk about the hall of fame and what it means and uh so it's uh a really kind of a nice affair kind of you know there's a lot of talk this year this this year coming up is the hundredth anniversary of, of of well what became the NFL was founded in 1920 in uh, in, in Canton and uh, so it was uh, and I, I I got to see Tony and, and uh, you know wished him luck and now we just have to see what happens in the room tomorrow.
2: Absolutely, uh, you'll be in that room and give us your thoughts on on this from a Tony Baselli perspective. I, I will say this, Vito, I've been covering Tony here at the Super Bowl the last three years since he's been a finalist. And the more and more you dive into this topic, and, and everybody's got a case. I understand that. I get it. Fifteen finalists, all uh, well-deserving and, and uh, fantastic careers uh, and legacies in the sport of football. But what amazes me always about the Tony argument is it's always just the longevity. But if you Google him or you talk to people that have votes or that are just big-time and long-time NFL folks, one of the greatest of all time in his position, maybe the greatest of all time in his position, all decades, you know, there's no debate about that. So when there's no debate about it, it often surprises me that maybe it's this hard to get in. Uh, Is that just the process or is that just simply the longevity of Tony's career?
8: Well, uh, he played at a time when there were five other offensive tackles, and he may have been the best one, but they all played longer, uh, tended to have more Pro Bowls, and, and that type of thing. So, so they all got in, so that kind of delayed things for him. And and then you just have some people that, that they're hung up on on the longevity. for You know, five. You know, he was the best for five years, but it's only five years, and. And uh, although, I mean, Dwight Stevenson played fewer games, and he's the center, which is not as a valuable position as the left tackle. And, and I think maybe about a quarter of the Hall of Famers played fewer games, although many of them played, you know, one of the only 12-game seasons, so there weren't as many games to 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 be played. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's such a, a difficult process. And, and now uh, we have a new thing come along where people are they're obsessed with, well, is this guy a 1st of Hall of Famer? Yeah. That didn't used to be such a thing. I mean, uh, uh, Kevin Green waited like a a dozen years, and Jason Taylor made it in his first season, and they were, you know, very similar players. Uh, uh, So, anyway, now you have three guys up, uh, you know, this year, uh, Gonzalez and uh, Champ Bailey and... uh, Ed Reed. uh, Ed Reed, and, you know, if, if they all get in, there's only two spots left, so... It's, uh, you know, I, I'm getting better vibes this year just because it's the third year in a room and people are, you know, looking at him closer and, and now this year he's the only tackle in the room. There's four offensive linemen, but he's the only tackle. So that's another argument in in his uh, favor. Also, you know, it's been 13 years, uh, you know, since he uh, quit playing and, and, uh, but uh, you just don't know. I mean, there's been a huge push for Don Coriel, uh, not Don, well, he's on a ballot, too, but, uh, for Tom Flores this year. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be successful or not, but if it was, if it, if it is, I mean, that's another, another slot. So you just never know going into it, uh, you know, it's 48 different opinions, uh, you just never know the dynamic and, and, you know, whether, but what people are, are thinking about the the uh uh Jaguars put a very nice uh, glossy uh to uh front and back saying that they mail to the voters, uh to me mailing is more effective than, than just emailing them and I think that helps and and uh but as I say you just uh, you just don't know.
2: Yeah, Vito, uh, this is a quick segment for us. So I have about uh, 30 more seconds or so. But I wanted to ask you, is the process correct? There's a lot of talk about players should be involved in the votes. I don't necessarily believe that. I think this is a tough Hall of Fame to get into. I don't mind that for getting into the Hall of Fame. But I wanted your thoughts on it. Is the process right with the 48 voters?
8: Probably. I mean, there's two players in. and uh, But, you know, players are going to be less objective probably than uh, – than the writers are totally. agree. I mean, it's a you know. So I I I don't I don't know that having players doing it would would, would make things any better. I mean, they picked the football teams and they don't always <laughs> distinguish themselves in doing that. So uh, it's just uh, you know they they've increased the writers you know, over the years to have a bigger panel, and you know it, it's a, it's just a, you know the eighty percent is difficult.
5: Yep, very
2: difficult. Vito Stolino, he'll be in that room tomorrow, and he'll be historic in Jacksonville if Tony Baselli gets in. Thanks for joining us, Vito. We'll get you on a bunch more times. Uh, thanks for checking in here on the show.
8: Yeah, Enjoy talking to you. Bye-bye.
2: All right, have a good weekend at Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. More to come on ESPN 690, including a visit with Mike Golan.
9: We've been doing a pretty good job of just handling everything and just being here, having a good time, and, and enjoying it. You know, we're only here for a couple more days, so we definitely want to have fun with it. Don't want to be too stiff. And, you know, like I said, it's just another game. It just happened to be one of the biggest games of the
2: that's Todd Gurley, L.A. Rams running back, talking about being in Super Bowl 53. How much will he play? How healthy is he? That's been a mystery really for a month now, and it's a big question for the Rams. Oh, what a pickup for C.J. Anderson to come in and do the job he's done in completely different style back, which I think is fooled teams at times, but now the Patriots get a couple of weeks uh, to to overcome that part of it. And uh, Patriots-Rams just a couple of uh, days away now. You know, they, you talk about it forever? And it's almost here, and the players probably can't wait for that to happen uh, coming up soon enough. A guy that knows all about this, about living the Super Bowl life, is Cliff Averill. Of course, former Seattle Seahawk, former Detroit Lion, but he's from Clay County. The pride of the... Clay High School Blue Devils. 904, baby. 904. What's, going on? <laughs> What's happening, Cliff Averill? How you doing, man?
10: I can't complain. I can't complain. Enjoying this uh, this week of, of being on the other side of things. Thanks. You know, <laughs> got my radio show that I, that I was doing out here. And, um, you know, just a little different but fun at the same time.
2: Yeah, tell me about how the radio show's going. I told you this the other day. Uh, we have Austin Lane, who actually went back to Jacksonville for okay. today. But Austin Lane, former Jags player, he's in the radio business now. We just started this yeah. thing three weeks ago. But when I talked to you, I think in the summer, you had just started your radio gig out in Seattle, kind of doing the similar thing. How is it going? Do you like it? Is this the start of a long career for Cliff Averill? It's been fun. It's
10: been fun. I don't know what the future is, but I've been enjoying myself. I'm learning a lot about myself. I'm learning a lot about fans and how they kind of view <laughs> athletes at times you know but also just being able to kind of share my perspective is is the big point is the point for me and a lot of people have embraced it so i can't complain it's been it's been a great time so far what a,
2: you told me about the fans a little bit do the fans get after you on the radio when you give your opinion mm-hmm. when it's a controversial topic or are they just trying to get insight or still remember what like a bad play that you made you know,
10: no, 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 <laughs> no, most times it's not it's not about bad plays. It's more so just you know, uh, I guess differentiating the, the the business and the player side of things, right? When we start talking about players' contracts, you start talking about that that aspect of it, and, and you start talking about players as people, not necessarily a number. You know, it's just interesting how people view that concept, and 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 how really how fans of the nfl which the nfl has done a great job of branding is pro nfl pro owners yeah but not necessarily pro players but yet they love the players and what they do on sundays you know so just finding that balance and kind of explaining the business side of it you know fans can have a little rebuttal about it for
2: whatever, for whatever reason is there any doubt in your mind and and i don't i don't know if you'd be going out and saying it because i think it's where it's headed that there will be a work stoppage in a few years because yeah. of some of those things that you said. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I what def- is? The, what are the key issues? See, people out there don't like to pay attention to that yeah. stuff. Now, we'll talk a lot, about it a lot as we get closer. Mm-hmm. But I know from a player's perspective, there's already this groundswell of saying, hey, get ready. Yes, Be ready. Get your families ready. Save some money. All those things. Mm-hmm. What is the big gripe from players versus the owners? Well, it's a little bit of everything, right? You know, it's, it's no different
10: from... You know, working for a Fortune 500 company where where you feel like what you bring to the table isn't necessarily recognized, you know, on on a grander scale. You know, for the players, it's more so like they want more from a revenue standpoint, want from benefits, from insurance. Like, hopefully they can work something out where it's lifetime insurance. Because at the end of the day, yes, we know what we're signing up for, but at the, 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 the industry is continuing to grow. So why wouldn't you want to help those guys that kind of – was the foundation of, of the league. You know, different things like that, uh, you know, like, again, benefits and, and finding ways of helping players after the game is over. Because in our reality, most, most fans don't pay attention to players once they're done, but if you're fortunate enough to play 10 years like I was, well, the, the, the goal, the plan is to hopefully have lived way longer than I played, you Absolutely. know. So you want the benefits of that as well because the game is going to go on without you and you help the game get to being a, a – a 12 billion dollar business why aren't there other things in place for us that are, are are getting banged up and you know i had a neck injury you know just making sure that they're still on the hook to be able to help me get through this process if later on in life i need it how is your health I feel so good, man. I feel great. That was scary, wasn't it? It was a scary moment. It was a scary moment in my life. And and what's even scarier, so I'm, I'm talking to some of these guys. I'm having a lot of my friends that i played with through the years on my show, and, and I bumped into Jermichael Finley. And I knew of his injury, but I didn't know the extent of it. And we had the same exact injury. Oh, wow. But yet, he told me, most people don't even know, he was paralyzed for a month. Huh. And, you know, and I, I had to sit back and like, man, like I dodged a bullet, you know, like we had the same exact injury, same surgery, everything, but yet he actually was paralyzed for a month. And, and, you know, um, yet he's still living with symptoms and different things like that. And I was just fortunate enough to know that I, I I didn't experience any of that. So when people ask me, do I want to come back and all this? No, I'm, I'm good. I dodged (laughs) a bullet. I played for 10 years, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl. What else, what else can I do other than, be selfish to my kids. Yeah, How
2: tough was that, though? Now, yes. I think you now you get a perspective For sure. from a guy like Finley or mm. just in general and, and life and kids and yeah. family is all good. And, and now you go, okay, that was a good decision. Yeah. And I always tell you, you always told your dad you'd play 10, ten years. years. Yeah, and you, caught you, it. It. you caught it. You called it. Uh, and that was good. I think that's a cool thing because you have your wits about you. You're healthy, yeah. at least it appears, and that's a good thing. But that was close. But still, you're a competitor. Yes. I know you didn't want to go out that way. It was not... It it was risky as heck for you to maybe play again, wasn't it? Oh, most definitely. And were you still close to trying to play again? Um,
10: Was I still close? Honestly, I think that night when the injury happened and the the doctor came in and told me, hey, look, guy, um, you know, most people don't walk in with this injury. They're paralyzed. Then it kind of was in the back of my head like, okay, this might really be over with. And then, you know, you sit back in and you kind of – Uh, assess things and you start realizing like again there's nothing else you can really do as a competitor of course you want to play and I also feel like I still left on my own terms and I say that because there's still teams calling there were still you know people interested in having a pass rusher um, and it's still me saying you know what I'm not going to sacrifice my life my health anymore um, you know, to, to to try to win a win a ring or whatever it may have been, because I've already experienced all those
2: things. Yeah, back to the uh, the players and and uh, against the owners potentially and the lockout stuff. If I give you these two things, this is what I look at. I don't know as much in detail as you guys. You guys lived it, mm-hmm. but I look at two things. I always say I don't think players get paid enough. Now, one thousand percent. Now I say that, but I'm not always referring to you. Yeah, a guy that gets a big contract. Because that seems like a lot of money to me. What I say is the guy that's making the minimum. I just don't believe $450,000 for a guy to play, whether it's a year or sometimes not even, you get that. But if it's a year or two on that minimum deal, is a lot of money for a guy... Running his head into a wall. And those are usually your hardest time. workers. Those are usually your hardest workers and the guys that get banged up the most. And will risk anything because they're trying to
10: make because it. they're trying to make the team. So I agree one thousand percent. I think the minimum should be higher. I think and guaranteed money. That's guaranteed what I was ask money you. should be a part of the conversation. But it, it just doesn't make any sense. And yes, I understand the roster size and all these different things. But it just doesn't make any sense for the NFL to be the number one. Sports league in America by a large margin. You know, uh, I, I forget the exact numbers. By a large margin, but yet your guys can't be compensated. They, they aren't guaranteed uh, contracts. They don't have guaranteed uh, insurance or whatever whatever the, the case may be. And yet you guys are generating all this money. So I agree one thousand percent because those those guys on and it and really, it's maybe five guys on a team that makes real money. Yeah, in the grand scheme of Absolutely. things. Absolutely. You know, like the the other forty. Five forty nine guys or 45, 46 guys are making league minimum and that's not it's not really in the grand scheme of things worth it because you can get hurt and yet
2: your money will also get taken away at the same time. Yeah, no we see is the Russell Wilson thirty million dollar contract kind of guy yes. and it's a lot of the quarterbacks. But you know what I say about the NFL? Look around this place, right in exactly. here, right? This place not only employs you and takes care of your family potentially and for yeah. millions of dollars, but it employs like everyone. All of us. Yeah. I mean the NFL is so big. All these people in here are employed mostly because of it, even in the media. I don't know if we would do as much as we do in local sports without the Jaguars being there. So we're all benefiting from it. Uh, I agree. I think players, and especially those league minimum guys, should benefit more. One more about that. Is it because you guys have also seen what the the NBA makes silly money? Uh, MLB makes guaranteed uh, money. Is it because of that, though, that finally guys in the NFL said, whoa, stop the car, man? Mm -hmm. These guys are all doing it. We're professional athletes, just like them. Yeah. Our league is doing better, and yet these guys are walking away. These guys are turning around, turning down two hundred forty million dollars because they've already got five hundred million
10: dollars. Exactly. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a big part of it. I think guys have been fighting for this for a while. Okay. I, I I think the league has always had the upper hand because what the NFL does so great. Again, going back to what I, uh, I mentioned earlier, is it's about the shield it's about the shield it's about the NFL it's not about the players it's not a, although the players are what makes up the shield it's about the NFL and and they do such a great job of making sure everybody leans on their side and persuades them with you know they they run the, the all the sports you know channels they run all the i mean the heck you got a football show, you got a, a sports talk show 90% of your sports talk show during any season is probably going to be about the NFL you yeah. know so it it's 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 about guys just understanding the I, I guess the understanding that they're, they're what makes this run. Yeah. Now, once you understand your value, now you can kind of have a little rebuttal and like, listen, we're going to sit out for real this time. Will they? I think it's hard because of that 90% of guys that I would just say that are league minimum yeah. are kind of, I, I hate to say living check to check. But that's really the situation for these guys. So are they going to be willing to miss a few games for the greater picture is going to be the big question. It's a bunch of 22-year-olds, a bunch of 23-year-olds.
2: They can't think past next year. That's going to be the big question. It is, and there's a line. There's a difference between guys that have been around it for a long time like yourself and those other guys that are just walking in want an opportunity and dream big about playing on the big stage and might have it now. So it'll be fascinating. And you talk so well about it. I want to talk to you more as we get closer to it. But I also don't want to take much more of your time up. Clay High School still a yes. very big deal to to Cliff Averill. Cl, uh, Cliff Averill is still a very big deal to Clay High <laughs> School as well. Uh, you always have your family fun weekend mm-hmm. uh, coming up again this summer. Yes, uh, your Haiti Project doing fantastic. Uh, proud of you, man. I, that's a pretty Thank cool you. thing, uh, and, and you don't need me to be proud of you, but I'm sure so many people are proud of what you've created and what you've done uh, to recognize your family heritage in Haiti.
10: I appreciate it, but you know what? What most people, you were my first interview. You know, uh, uh, when I first got uh, um, when I got drafted. That's right, draft party. Yeah. I just, we know we
2: had Gary Barnage on a couple weeks ago, and yeah. both you and Gary were there. See, I think
10: we were like the same day or something yeah. like that. But yeah, so so it, it's just great to see you still doing well and you're su- succeeding. And then you got to you know kind of see the process. You actually got to see two guys from from uh, from the 904 and and you know actually have a, a decent career throughout the NFL. You know, living the dreams
2: that so many. Back in Jacksonville, they're trying to do. Yeah, and so many kids' talent, man. Yes. So much talent back there. Oh, but if amazing. they could be the next Cliff Averill. Why did they miss? Why did people miss on, on Cliff? Why, why didn't they know you were going to be as good as you were? Because yeah. I, you know what I always tell you? I said, I can't believe that the Jags needed a Cliff Averill yeah. at the start of this whole build back in like 2000, when you were a free agent coming yep. out of Detroit, 13. and they didn't go get you. Yep. And they should have gone and got you. And that was only, by the way, like a two-year, $20 million deal, exactly. I think it was, when that started in Seattle. Mm-hmm. They should have gone and got you, and they didn't. But why didn't people believe Cliff Averill could be what Cliff Avril what, what he turn out to be? You know what? I don't know.
10: But everything happens for a reason. You know, I, I was one of those guys. I didn't. I didn't start playing football till high school. You know, I was one of those guys that wasn't necessarily a big name around town, but yet enough people knew about me. And and that's kind of been my career. You know, I went to produce, same concept, same thing. You know, made a name for yourself eventually, and and kind of grinded it out. And then I got to the NFL. Same thing. I've led. I've led the league. I've led defensive ends and sacks a few times i've led in hits Force fumbles. And, and forced fumbles but yet never really got the recognition until the end and and for me it's all about getting the the, the recognition from your peers and all that good stuff but i don't know but it's, i think it's a blessing in disguise honestly too because i don't have to
2: deal with all the madness that these superstars <laughs> have to deal with either hey you know who you are a lot like the guy we started the show with today yannick Ngakwe. of oh the yeah jaguars few solid, people mentioned his solid name. Solid, player. Oh, I know, I know about him. He's a it, solid player. And, and he just said here on the show earlier, he said, everybody's going to know who 91 is yeah. <laughs> by the end of this season. So we'll see. But he's, same respect. I mean, he's had like 20-something sacks in the last Crazy. two years. And, you know, like, but he doesn't get the notoriety. Mm-hmm. Like, you should have got more notoriety when you were playing. Uh, we got to let you go. How hard is this next 48 hours for these Super Bowl teams?
10: they if if they if they aren't getting any rest right now it's going to be extremely hard but i think i think right around this time is when guys are, are super anxious they're 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 ready cuz this is the longest time they've ever had to actually prepare for one game you know cuz typically you only get about 4 days so so guys are antsy guys are are ready to get out there and now it's just all about them just being able to kick their feet up get away from their family and just kind of get in a routine cliff favor why don't you wear the ring man Everybody's been asking me that, and I'm like, I only wear it for big events, and everybody's like, Well, it is the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> you so, walk around with the ring. Not only do you do your radio show, you probably get a couple
5: more endorsement
2: I, deals. I, you're right. <laughs> uh, I know. Hey, it's my first time on this side. Next year, I guarantee you, I have it. All right. Hey, you're gonna join us again, though, yes, whether sir. it's from Seattle or when you're back in Jacksonville. Good luck with all the off-season stuff in terms of the uh, not off-season stuff, but the trips to Haiti yes, and all the work you're doing there. And again, we'll see you in the summer when you come back to Cliff. Sounds good. It's always great seeing you, my man. All right, uh, yes, Cliff April 4 former Detroit Lion, former Super Bowl champ with the Seattle Seahawks, and now radio star out in Seattle. He was a radio star this last 15 minutes. Appreciate him stopping by. More to come from Radio Row on ESPN 690 right after this. Nice job, Kuz. You didn't forget about it. I did. <laughs> I must admit. Don't forget about the happy hour horn. Live I from just
7: a little
2: bit there. <laughs> Live from Radio Row in Atlanta, Georgia, Super Bowl Fifty Three. Brett Martin, Stuart Weber, and Justin Kuzart. Back home, you miss us, Kuz. Oh yeah, of course. Hey, yeah, of course. Kuz working so hard. We got him like taking in all these interviews. We got him trying to fix streams and podcasts. You're doing a good good job back there, man.
0: Yeah, I've been uh, been on the phone with uh, Apple
5: Podcasts because they're the last ones to approve us right now. So
2: People are excited about the podcast uh, starting up, so uh, glad you're working on that. We should have mm-hmm. it uh, firing pretty soon. And right now, it's cool. We have on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, we have the, the video stream here from Radio Row. And, and this is a thing that we really wanted to do, not just when we're on the road, but back home. That's why we have the cameras in the studio. And now... Kuz has figured out a way. We've got comments on the right side. So if you comment, you have to go to that page, whether it's the ESPN 690 Facebook page, or you can go to the initial tweet of the video. And if you make a comment or ask a question or don't like something we say, be nice about it, please. But it will show up so we can see them and read them. And uh, Big Pat 161, I think it says, uh, says let's go, Jacks. There you go. See, just like that. It just popped up. And I can see it and read it. So uh, chime in on the conversation. That's it's the fun part of this.
3: I was a uh, big fan
2: of uh, Jay Bayer Sixes comment. Well, yeah, it was something it said about it should be action sports stew. Yeah, well, Jay Bayer, I think he's like it feels like he's a little mole for Stu Gatz's show.
3: Well, he my has, name my name is Stewart. So anytime he says anything positive towards any stew. I'm just going to imply it's about me. I think that's a good way to do it. And he said, should be action sports, Stu. <laughs> Although Stu does take a piece of art out of my name. Oh, gosh. Here we go again.
2: Uh, Stu Gots, by the way, th- I just saw today their podcast is the number one podcast
3: going. Well, congratulations. Not just in sports. It must have been the bump like, from when he was on ESPN I 690. I think it was. Across all platforms. 690 I think. bump. we got to get to a point we get that big.
2: All right? Uh, We've we got a lot of work to do, but we want to be number one. Uh, across all the podcasts, like he beat out Oprah, Dan Levitard and Stugatz's podcast beat out Oprah. Wow, I mean, that's a name drop. Has right anybody there. ever beat
3: an Oprah? No, 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 nobody has. Nobody's ever. bigger than Oprah. I mean, goodness gracious.
2: Um, but anyway, join the conversation if you can. Good to have Cliff Averill on. We have so much going on here, I forget some of the guests that are coming on. (laughs) Yannick Ngakwe already joined us. You'll hear our conversation with Alan Robinson coming up in a bit, Mike Golick coming up in a bit. Uh, We had Vito Stolino on, Richard Graves. And right now, I want you to hear from Jed Fish, who's obviously part of the L.A. Rams coaching staff, former Jags offensive coordinator. It did not go well in Jacksonville for Jed Fish. Then he went to Michigan, worked under Jim Harbaugh, went to UCLA, worked under Jim Mora, Jr., and now ended up staying out on the West Coast uh, with the la rams under sean mcveigh which means if you work under sean mcveigh sometimes you'll probably get a big gig down the road and right now jed fish has a chance to win a super bowl ring i caught up with him on opening night and talked about being in the super bowl and also about the last couple of years Congratulations! Uh, this Thank is you. pretty cool. What, what's what's this like? I mean, you've been around football for a long, long time, but this is the ultimate, right? Yeah, I've never been around
0: this. Uh, Twelve years in the NFL, I've never been to a Super Bowl, and it's more than you could ever even imagine. You know, you think that you you kind of just play the season right and you just win and you play the season and you win and you're like wow this is actually happening this year and we uh, it, it's been a Mecca it's been amazing
2: uh, is the last week or so has it been a lot of people a lot of knuckleheads like me bothering you and stuff like that uh, just because hey this is when you're on the big stage
0: uh, i don't think it's uh, it's not a bother when it's what do they call that a champagne problem uh, it, it, it's a phenomenal situation we're at a great spot we have an incredible head coach an incredible GM owner team, and uh, just to be a small part of it, it's just unbelievable.
2: Well, you've been gone for a few years in Jacksonville, uh, UCLA and Michigan, and now this. What's it been like, that little journey since we last saw you in Jacksonville? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been an awesome four years. I mean, it's been a chance
0: to be a part of a lot of wins, which is awesome. Um, coaching for Coach Harbaugh and Coach Mora were both incredible experiences, and now to be with Sean, I just feel like the football guy smiled on me, and, you know, and I love Jacksonville and I love the time there and uh, you know I wish them nothing but the best but it's been an awesome time here obviously McVay's
2: young guy I mean you've been around football for a long time I mean are you shocked? Uh,
0: He's you know uh, 33 years old and smart as can be and knows exactly what buttons to push when. And the best thing with him is he understands communication is the key, and he's so good at it that uh, I feel like I learn something every day from him.
2: This offense looks intricate. Is it is it hard, and do you think we'll start seeing it? I mean, I guess we've already seen it in other places, and the tree is starting to spread already, but is it the new wave type
0: of thing? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think it really all starts from what we all learned with Mike Shanahan, you know, and – Kyle and Sean and I had the privilege to work for him in 08 and and then really Sean has kind of taken on his world with it and then Matt LaFleur will take his on and then I guess there's other people on the tree that'll be going places and it's really a situation where it is a I think that the offense is challenging to defend and I think it's um,
2: a good offense to learn. From a layman standpoint I we're in Jacksonville, obviously. The offense hasn't been great over the last decade. Uh, that had a nice year two years ago. But it seems well, like all the motion, pretty all pretty the pretty stuff, pre snap wouldn't be that difficult for so many teams to do. Uh, why don't more teams do it, and is it more difficult than I'm letting on because of the timing?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing with, with uh – offense that we run is how we attack defenses and uh, I think that Sean and our, the offensive staff, they, they really have a great feel for what defense they're trying to do and the motions and the uh, reduced splits and some of those things that, that we've evolved to and that he's evolved to has really come more so it's
2: really a great understanding of defensive football. Let me ask you about quarterbacks. Brady, how amazed that, for my guy who loves the quarterback spot, I mean, just, you look at it as a different, than I do, but we're all amazed by him, but what level of amazement are you? Well,
0: I'll say that the greatest privilege of my life was playing catch with him one day in Michigan, in 2015. Uh, He's special. He's 41 years old and has been to nine Super Bowls and is a class act and an incredible player, and it's a a dream to play against the guy, and I think that we have a guy right now that has those uh, similar traits and characteristics uh, a calmness, a coolness, and ac- he's as accurate as anyone I've ever been around.
2: And uh, he really is just a special guy. When you talk about QBs, you just mentioned Jared as accuracy. Do some people leave that out when choosing them, picking them? And, and almost they know you have to have it, but you sometimes forget about it maybe because of a height and weight or an arm yeah, strength? Or-
0: I, I think that there's no question that accuracy. Is is the enormous part of this whole thing, and uh, if you can't, you know, hit your targets, it's really hard to play the position. And then there's a million other things that go into it. But I've really learned throughout this, you know, time with Josh Rosen and then with Jared that you know they've got two incredibly accurate guys that uh, have great poise and are surrounded by great players. They have great wide receivers. Uh, we have great receivers here, and tight end and offensive line and some veterans and it's a really
2: good team. All right, last one. From my perspective, Blake Bortles doesn't have that accuracy from a lot of people's perspective. You worked with him right off the get-go. How far, in your opinion, from watching from afar, did he come these last few years? And. Any idea why you think it might not work out?
0: Yeah, I don't I, You know, I've been with Blake only when he was a rookie. I thought he was a phenomenal, uh, gifted kid. I, I, I think he's a great guy, and I hope that it works out great for him. I've only seen one game he played this year, and it was against these guys, and he did really, really well. So uh, hopefully we can match the successes that Jacksonville had against New England on Sunday. All
2: right. Go get a ring. All right. Thanks, All right, buddy. buddy. Go good seeing you. Know. Thanks. Jed Fish, I feel like he just said Blake Bortles has a good personality. Uh, I felt like it was one of those lines. And, uh, you know, what, maybe he's right. I I really like Jetfish. I enjoyed being around him. I, I enjoy listening to him talk. I think it's a good, uh, good conversation like we just had. But I do think it was the mistake of the Gus Bradley era was bringing in Jetfish, Jetfish. Once that did not work, it brought a spiral of events from an offensive perspective that just really never worked. And one of the reasons I think Mike Portals will not be a part of the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2019. It all started in 2014. And we come back. Our conversation with Mike Golick from Radio Row on ESPN 690. Welcome back to Radio Row in Atlanta, Georgia. Super Bowl 53. Brent Martineau here on Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. And pleased to be joined by Mike Golick from ESPN. Of course, Golick and Wingo In the morning on ESPN 690, you catch them every morning, or at least you better catch them every morning. There you go. And he's Mike Golick, right? He's the answer to a trivia question Uh on ESPN 690. The first guest we ever had three weeks ago. You joined us for the show, so first of all, we appreciate that. And you got to like being an answer to that trivia question. There's some you probably don't like. That's
1: exactly right. I like being an answer to that one. And I loved. I mean, again, the start of my start, really, of my career was in Jacksonville. You know, with those preseason TV games with Kevin Harlan, I mean, I was... Hanging out at training camp, watching Tom Coughlin, you know, yell at everybody
2: to keep their chin strap buckled and their both feet on the ground in <laughs> meetings and everything. It was, it was pretty wild. Yeah, that was awesome to catch up with you about yeah. that. We had a lot of response, by the way. The, the folks in Jacksonville liked the fact that you're sharing some of those stories. Kevin Harlan's awesome, too. Isn't oh, I did phenomenal. sidelines with him for one year. It was
1: year. great, and obviously he had been in it for a little while and really helped me along. You know, we always think back to
2: the, where we started our career and go, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And, uh, you know, it's been, been a long, been a long road. What's it like now having your son involved? Uh, speaking of uh, for somebody you got brought along in this business by the guys like Kevin Harlan now now you're kind of doing that but with your son
1: yeah what's interesting and different with him is you know obviously he wishes he was still playing football but that road didn't work as well for him but he grew up with me in this business so he saw it all I really from five years old on but and then as he got older you know obviously played sports but he was always good at talking and very well spoken, and so he saw the business, and he, so he kind of learned it really from a young age. So he did some of it at Notre Dame, and they just kind of stepped into it uh, after the NFL. So the transition for him was a was being around it for a while. He kind of knew it a little more, but then you got to go through your lumps, you got to go through the reps and make the mistakes and learn from them. But he's he's really way past the level.
2: I was at at his age, for sure. Yeah, that's good stuff. As most of young guys are. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Super Bowl. I'm assuming you're kind of, a, a, at heart, an old-school football guy, uh, but this thing is such an event, it's hardly about football until 6.30 on Sunday, and even then you can argue it's not about football, it's about commercials and everything yeah. else.
1: Yeah, the thing about it is, is, <clears throat> is players even know it, though. We have so many guys at ESPN who have won Super Bowls or mm-hmm. been to Super Bowls that if, you haven't, if you've been to just one, that's something you do have to get used to. And the first thing you do is you call up somebody who was. And you say, what What should I expect? What do I need to do? Now, a lot of times you don't know even when somebody tells you until you actually physically go through it. But Tom and Bill have been here <laughs> nine times, so I'd say they got it down They've pretty well. They've got a well. blueprint. So you do have to be ready for a different kind of a warm-up. When, after you warm up on the field. You know, you go back in the locker room normally for 10 minutes. This time it's 40 minutes. So now you got to kind of come back down again before you go back up again. You know, you have that extra week. You got to take care of family and tickets. And so there's a lot more things that you need to worry about structurally. Until you you are almost praying that uh, the guys I've talked to said we can't wait for the kickoff, Because yeah. we we want to get back to what we're here for is playing the game.
2: Yeah, and I can only imagine because anything you do if you're super excited about it, it doesn't have to be playing football. But you're well, super excited, you kind of lose your breath a little bit. You you exhaust some energy. We had Emmett Smith on this morning, and he said his first
1: going to three one and three. He said his first one. He said I went out to do my normal warm up, which is run around the entire field and then start my stretching. He said, I ran around the entire field, and he goes, I was on my knees huffing and puffing, going, oh, my God, why am I out of breath? And he said, it's just, you're so hyped up and caught up. He said, you think, I'm never going to be able to catch my breath again, and then obviously you do, but he said, that was a huge, kind of a
2: scary, interesting thing for him. You've been in so many locker rooms. How hard do you think it would be, if your coach was 33 years old, for that guy to grab the room the way McVay has been able to do that in L.A.
1: Well, I don't think it's hard anymore now. I, I Maybe in the beginning there was kind of a wary eye saying, wait a minute, is this guy ready to do this, even though he'd been in the NFL since 22, you know, with Gruden in Tampa Bay as baby Gruden. Um, but I think at this point there's so much, listen, what he's doing is working to the fact that they're in the Super Bowl. So if you're waiting for him to prove himself, he's
2: done it. So I think the trust factor is without question there. What's the respect level for what Brady and Belichick have done? Uh, it, like for so many, I mean, like even in the media, I mean, it's sickening at times. It's like, all right, can we get somebody else? But then there's this admiration and respect that you've just got to appreciate. I always say it's like Tiger Woods watching for our generation right now or yeah. anybody living. You watch Tiger Woods, you watch LeBron James, you watch Roger Federer, you watch Tom Brady. We get a chance now. I mean, it's like watching Babe Ruth and Ted Williams and all these guys from yesteryear that we didn't get to see, and we're watching these guys, and Brady's on that list. At some point, you know, you need to appreciate
1: what we're watching. Because I got I, – Michael Jordan and I play pro, pro professional sports at the same time. Different careers, obviously. You know, <laughs> his was really good. Mine was average. Um, but we got to see the best ever. You know, I got to. You know, Wayne Gretzky played the same time. True. I got to watch the best ever at that. LeBron James now fighting for that best ever mantle. Tom Brady, Joe Montana. You know, I played against him. It's like wild to step back and say, man, you know, I got to play against and or watch these guys, Brady and Belichick. It's ridiculous. I don't know any other word. Unprecedented. Ridiculous. There has to be such a strong adjective for it because
2: it's unheard of what they're doing. Mike Golick with us here on ESPN 690. Again, you catch him every morning. Uh, Golick and Wingo, fantastic show. Been at ESPN for a long, long time now. And uh, the ESPN radio thing has really taken off uh, all around the country, uh, but especially out of Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, Brady, to me, is amazing from a mental standpoint. Belichick is amazing. But I look at their team, Mike, and I'm just not impressed. The Jags went to Foxborough last year. And everybody said, well, they're going to lose that game. Going to lose. I said, they are better than the Patriots. Their team is better than the Patriots. Week two on their roster, they are better. Now, again, I get it. You get Brady and Belichick. It's the X factor. But this is not a loaded roster. It was the fourth best roster of the Final Four by far, in my opinion. Well, I mean, name me all the,
1: Pro, the Hall of Famers Brady's going to play with in his nine Super Bowls.
2: Yeah, well, Randy Moss.
1: Randy Moss, Rob Gronkowski, I'm sorry, three, Adam Vinatieri. And Adam Vinatieri. So they've never had a loaded roster. Maybe for that 07 when, when it was Moss and they said or what I think it was 07. It was, yeah. year that was. They've never done it. Their roster turnover is by far greater than any other team. They keep rotating it. They keep having different guys be the stars. So it's always been that way. You could probably match them up a lot of times to other teams and not have them be the best team on paper, but then... Here's why I think they'll win the Super Bowl, is the little thing to you to to death. Most teams don't win games. Teams lose games. They make a mistake, and New England takes advantage of it. With about five minutes to go in the game, look at these stats. Who's had the better field position throughout the game? Who has more penalty yards throughout the game? Who has more turnovers? A lot of times, New England's winning all of those. True, And that adds up. Mm -hmm. That adds up. They wait, they play clean, they play clean, they wait, you make a mistake, they pounce on you. The Rams, without question, had the talent to win this game. Their talent is incredible. But New England just plays, plays, third and five, they get five and a half. All of a sudden, they're in the end zone. All of a sudden, they kick a field goal. They're down a little bit, all of a sudden, they're winning by ten. You're like, how the hell did that happen? (laughs) And they just keep doing it, and you're sitting there going, what happened? That's New England, and
2: then that mental wave comes yep. at you because you know it's coming. Oh, You're it's just exactly waiting right. for it. Oh Yo,
1: yeah, you know it's going to happen. That's got to be a damning thing for you.
2: Yeah, it's like the Yankees in the late nineties. Yep. You knew if you made an error in that eighth or ninth inning, they it's were going to go score you. three runs yep. and they were going to win, especially if it was at Yankee Stadium. Uh, wrapping up here with Mike Golick here on ESPN uh, six ninety. You kind of gave your. You kind of think the Patriots are going to yeah. win this game, right? Yeah, thirty one. I
1: think thirty one twenty four. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. Hey, we we think like thirty four twenty four is what I've got it uh, with uh, the Patriots winning. We talk a lot in Jacksonville about press coverage and why the Jags don't play it more. It feels like they're in that zone, and it's soft, and you got Ramsey and Boye. Right. Go all the way back to 2002 when the the Patriots started this run. The reason they beat the Rams that year is because I think they pressed the the Rams receivers and the officials let them play. Do you kind of feel like both teams in this game almost need to do that? Could get up there and be physical? The Patriots will. That's what they do, I think.
1: You know, you put numbers a thing. I think they were in man 62% of the time this year. That's what they do. They're going to come up, and normally it's refs let it go a little bit, forgetting the non-call, you know, that happened yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. Refs normally let it go a little more. So they'll come up, and they'll test it. First five minutes, I say first five minutes of any sport, see what the calls are. Basketball the same way, how tight are the fish was calling it. And then it's your job as a team to adjust to that, not to complain, but adjust to it. If they let it go a little bit, these guys are going to come up and they're going to be handsy all over you. That's their game.
2: That's what they're going to do. All right, you're one of the stars here on Radio Row. But you ever look... Forward to seeing any any of the oh, actors. I love actresses, it because you musicians. never
1: you never know who you're going to see. Forgetting the the sports world. I, that doesn't enamor me. Yeah. Backstreet boys are here. <laughs> you know, you get wrestlers here, you get entertainers here. That stuff's cool to me. That's yeah. what I
2: like. Well, we're glad you came along. I appreciate it. <laughs> Mike yeah. Golick from ESPN, Golick and Wingo. It'll never be Wingo and Golick. It's Golick and Wingo. Boom. <laughs> on ESPN 690, 6 a.m. Monday through Friday. Make sure you catch them. We'll be back from Radio Row in Atlanta, Georgia. Super Bowl 50. Well, this is, the,
11: this is the big dance, you know. Um, playing great football all year, but this, this is the last one. You know, you got to play your best football. This is the biggest stage, you know, the biggest stage I ever played on. So, we just got to keep playing football at a high level.
2: Don't forget what got us said, But, you know, leave everything out there one more time. You know, one more game, opportunity to be a world champion. That is Aaron Donald, the L.A. Rams superstar defensive tackle. Best player on defense in the NFL. Maybe the best player in the NFL. I mean, most impactful. You know what's crazy about Aaron Donald? Listen, linemen are fat, usually. I mean, even defensive linemen have a belly on them. That dude is ripped. It's unbelievable uh, what he looks like. He does not look like a defensive lineman in the NFL, uh, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, So he's such a good player. And I guess that's part of his size in general had people... Wondering if uh, he would be a star in the NFL coming out even when he was at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama years ago. And I think it's maybe the kind of his physique and his style of play to go along with that size that really makes him so difficult to defend. Uh, people thought it would be a tough thing in the NFL. I think it's actually been a helpful thing and more of a difficult thing uh, for offensive linemen. All right, we are just loaded up with guests, and uh, let's welcome in another one right now. You know this guy very well, and his name is Carson Taker.
4: Hey, what's up, Jaguars
2: long snapper. Jump right on, man. We're live on ESPN 690, yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? I can hear you. Uh, Thanks for just stopping in. You're all over the place here in Atlanta this week, huh?
11: Yeah, uh, I came up here for the rising deal, and I love Atlanta. Atlanta's a cool city, so uh, my wife and I, we went and, uh, yeah, saw some of our spots, and Took a little longer getting back than we anticipated, but uh, <laughs> I'm here now. I'm here.
2: Nah, that's good. What would you go see? Where'd, where'd little We'll uh, drive
11: around. Yeah, we got a couple of coffee shops and you know a couple of places we like to eat. So nothing crazy. Yeah. Just you know some stuff that our buddies took us to one time, and we always try to make it back. So
2: so would you be here without the Verizon thing? Would you have checked this out anyway?
11: Uh, no, probably not. I mean, this is crazy. It's a it's a great experience. It's a lot of fun, but man, it's just too much sometimes with all this traffic and there's just so many people here. Um, I like to have a reason to be here. I mean, I've seen so many cool people already. I get to be—I got to shake Jerry Rice's hand, Deontay Wilder, Emmett Smith. I mean, just so many cool people. So I do love to like you know come when I can, but I don't think I'd come up here on my own. Yeah. you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Who's your favorite football player growing up? Who's my favorite football yeah. player growing up? One? Uh,
11: I grew up watching a lot of college football, so I'd probably say like Sean Alexander. Yeah, yeah. That's like the first guy I remember. Um, I love claiming like Stuart Scott. Because I grew up playing baseball, and uh, I'd always watch, like, you know, the sports center with my dad, you know, every morning, you know, before school, and Stuart Scott was on there. So uh, I love claiming him, uh, you know, when, as, as some of my, my first sports memories. But in terms of football, I mean, yeah, I'd probably say Sean Alexander.
2: That's pretty cool. Uh, and it is neat. I tell you what, listen, I'm not a guy that gets uh, too enamored uh, with the athletes. I really don't. Uh, once I, I actually get more excited – I think, to see stars, because my best friend from home, like, loves it. Yeah. Like, he like always said, oh, you're so lucky. This is awesome. And so I almost, like, want to take a picture of people Yeah. to, get, to send see to him because man. he loves it. And we saw the
11: Backstreet Boys this morning. I got
2: a picture of the Backstreet Boys <laughs> today. And, and here's, I'm this guy, Carson. I'm like, you could line up ten of these stars, and I'd be like, yeah, you're going to have to give me a hint. <laughs> now, not like Jerry Rice or yeah, Dan Marino or yeah. those guys, but... From that part of the world, the, the music and actors and actresses, I'm like, uh, let me take a stab at this one, but I'm probably going to be wrong. But, uh, yeah, even the Backstreet Boys was kind of cool. Calais had him on his show. Really? Calais was doing a show on Yahoo. this was probably he said, singing with him or something. He crazy. said that was his favorite interview, the Backstreet Boys, so uh, good for him. All right, well, you are doing this campaign with Verizon, which is pretty cool for first responders. Tell me how it came about. and we. I, I shouldn't assume that people know your story about being in the tornado uh, in Tuscaloosa, that devastating tornado. tornado. Um,
11: Well, if you want to check it out, it's uh, allourthanks.com. That's like uh – kind of my story and everybody else's story, but I just – I wanted to do it to say thank you. You know, there's so many guys out there, uh, first responders that, I mean, never get the recognition. And um, I've been saying this the whole time. Like, my story is just one story about one day. You know, these guys, that's their job. They go do it every day. You know, while you're in here talking sports, while I'm in the, you know, on the football field at practice, those guys are out there saving lives. And, uh, I mean, people don't notice – that they're there and what they do until it happens to them you know and uh, i'm just so thankful you know that there's people out there like that you know i got a family now but i've been saying you know these guys have families too and uh you know the sacrifices that they have to make for their families um it just it shouldn't go unnoticed and i'm trying to do my part to make sure that it doesn't go unnoticed and just saying thank you
2: you know it part of saying thank you is you have to share the story and yeah. live the story and you wrote a book about it but uh you have had to talk about it over the years it's 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 part of you uh when you get thrown from a house in a tornado in a devastating tornado in tuscaloosa and you lose your girlfriend at the time how do you handle that part of it? I, I don't I can't relate Man, to that. So how yeah. do you handle the part where you have to constantly share it, tell it, live it? Um,
11: I think that it is a story that some people out there need to hear. You know, uh, we all have struggles and adversity that we have to face, and I'd like to hope that you know someone can hear me and and see where I am now and say like, you know what, there is a positive. Uh, that, that's kind of my thing is is I want to. Uh, show people that you can take a negative and turn it into a positive. And I, I'm trying to find every way I can to, to make my story a positive. And uh, that, that's one of the biggest reasons. I, w- I wanted to say thank you through, through this campaign, and I wanted to just show that, uh, you know, you can take a negative situation and turn it into a positive.
2: Do you have any idea what it's running on Super Bowl Sunday, or do you have to watch all day, record all day, and then kind of – I mean, you've seen the commercial. When,
11: but, when mine is. Yeah. Or so I think – and I'm not like a, you know – in charge of it or anything, but I think that kind of they had the players' stories you know, in the playoffs, and then they're leading up to something bigger for the Super Bowl. I don't okay. think it'll be mine or anybody. I think I think okay. it. be I don't be. want to give it away, but I, I think I it's see. yeah. I think it's something bigger. And tell us where you can see it again if people haven't been able to see it yet. Oh, uh, it's I believe it's allourthanks.com.
2: Okay. And uh, or my
11: Twitter. They're they're making me tweet about it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, it's a good thing though because yeah. it's awareness for first responders. Yeah, you know, talked I just, about the
11: importance. I just wanted to say thank you. You know. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just really cool to because I, I was bringing uh, my first responder that I dealt with his name's Bob uh, I was able to bring him he was up here this morning he really? had a fly out yeah cool and just like just to get to experience this you know this is a lot of I mean this is like a whole side of football that people don't even know really exists you yeah. know and uh, just for him to come up here and and get to do that and uh just experienced this you know good for him i'm glad that i got to you know share that
2: with him good for you to be able to take someone on that journey a little bit and then do something that's unique and different and memorable uh, for them as well uh and they do some fantastic stuff on a daily basis got to go in two minutes but part of football too is injuries yeah you've had a couple of them how have you dealt with them how are you feeling and because of those injuries is there some uncertainty whether you'll be back with the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2019?
11: Uh, you know what? There's no uncertainty that I'm going to be playing. You know, I, I'm out here. I'm uh, selling uh, the guys earlier. We got 70 floors on our hotel, and I ran every floor this morning on the stairs. Like I, I'm feeling good. Uh, I feel stronger than ever, and uh, I'm ready to go and attack it and compete. And uh, I mean, I, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try my hardest. If if I'm not somewhere, it won't be because I didn't try. You know, and. Uh, I'm doing everything I can to, to get healthy and you know get my mind right and
2: I'm just ready to go out there and compete How is your mentality when you deal with all that stuff I mean does it press you down at two years of basically missing time where you're like man do I want to keep doing this and um, I'm not sure how it's gonna work out or does it motivate you put a chip on your shoulder and say hey I still got something left in me that I gotta prove
11: you know what honestly last year was a little tough coming off that ACL uh, that was I mean that was a, a, a physical and a psychological injury you know going into camp, because that camp's tough, man. I don't know if you know anything about our camp, but it's a brutal camp. And uh, I, I questioned it the whole time, you know. But uh, I don't feel like that at all anymore, you know. I, I feel stronger than ever. I feel good. Because um, it was just my meniscus this past year I got rolled up on. And my ACL held up, so it wasn't anything that, that I did. I just got rolled up on on that first punt. Uh, but, yeah, I feel good now. I feel stronger than ever. And I mean, it's it, the all season technically hasn't even started yet. So it's yeah. only going to get better from here. And uh, like I said, I'm just, I got my mind right to go out there and compete, you know?
2: Yeah. Thanks for uh, coming back right through the traffic to uh, stop yeah, in man. with us, man. Yeah. Yeah. Always Anything see, for you, man. <laughs> hey, always good to see Carson Tinker here at Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia. Go check out the campaign. If you haven't seen it yet, very inspirational. Hey, go check out the book. Go buy the. How's the book doing? The book's still there, man.
11: It's on Amazon. Well? Uh Yeah. We're still pushing it. There's some copies left, so you can go buy them. Give them the name of the book. Push Uh, the book. It's called A Season to Remember. All right. Uh, Yeah, and the link's on on Amazon. It's on – they probably have it at Barnes & Noble and stuff. Uh, I came out with it a few years ago, but it's still out there.
2: Awesome. Carson Tinker, uh, good to see you and the family doing well. Thanks for stopping by, man. Thanks for having me, dude. All right. Uh, Jags, long snapper, Carson Tinker here in Atlanta on Radio Row. we to come on ESPN 690. Big news in high school football today. We'll tell you about it next. Welcome back to Radio Row, Atlanta, Georgia, Super Bowl 53, Rams, Patriots, and we have had a busy Friday, but a fun Friday. It's pretty cool here in Radio Row as uh, guys shuffle in and out uh, of the lineup. Yadik N'Gakwe already joined us. Mike Golick already joined us. Alan Robinson to come. Cliff Averill we've had. Vito Stolino's been on. Carson Tinker just joined us moments ago. And right now we will be joined by the legend of all legends, another Hall of Famer, High School Football Hall of Famer, Kevin Sullivan. Coach, what's up? Hey, what's going on? What you guys doing? How about that intro right there, huh, man?
6: Yeah, man. I, I uh, You named all those people. I got a little bit nervous. You know, <laughs> there's some big-time guys in that thing, and you put me in that same thing. Uh, I don't know about that
2: now. All right. Well, listen, I wanted to catch <laughs> up with you on two fronts. One, because you won tickets to the Super Bowl, uh, which is awesome. For all the work you've done as a high school football coach, for all the kids you've impacted, uh, you've done it the right way for a long, long time. You're a Hall of Famer, and the NFL recognized that and recognizes high school football coaches around the country. What was that like when you got the word? Uh, we won't tell you anybody that you did it on, on the wrong TV station, but that's okay. Uh, what was it like when you got the word, and, uh, and and how surprised were you about it, and how cool is this whole experience? Well,
6: it was uh first off it was really a surprise because they'd been trying to do it for like 3 weeks and I'm like, god, you know, they was bringing under the pretense that they were just going to do a thing on me and uh for all everything that I've done, I had no idea. My wife, knew. my daughter had come in, she knew and when they when they presented it with me, I was just sort of like sort of shocked. I thought I was actually getting pranked. I thought Ashton Kutcher <laughs> was going to jump out from behind the screen and be like, "Gotcha!" type of thing. But yeah, very humbling. Uh, yeah, really cool. It's been a cool thing. We ended up coming up a day earlier uh today we got in today and hung out downtown a little bit and stuff so
2: it's pretty neat yeah deep. that that is pretty cool because we were going to have you here on radio row but i and i thought uh you weren't coming up until saturday so what is the plan what happens now do you just enjoy it you have two tickets to the super bowl uh, you had to get your accommodations all straightened out you come up here and you just enjoy the weekend simple as that or, or is there anything else involved in this
6: Pretty much, they they got us a couple tickets to the NFL experience, and then they gave us a couple tickets to the honors uh, dinner tomorrow night. Where they, you know, they do all the, um, you know, the MVP and the Rookie of the Year and all that stuff. So that's pretty. That's all pretty cool. But just yeah, yeah. So just being able to come around and walk around and and that has been really. Really neat. We got in probably about noon today and spent probably about five hours just sort of feeling our way out and what we're doing and anything. We're staying a little bit out in Conyers. It was a little bit cheaper for us out that way. Um, but it was an easy, easy ride in and everything. So, uh, yeah, just looking forward to getting down and, um, you know, seeing something because you know, it's going to be quite entertaining people watching. <laughs>
3: Coach Stewart Weber here. Uh, you'll definitely enjoy the NFL experience. Hopefully uh, you get to test out your arm, maybe throw the football around a little bit and, uh, and enjoy some of that fan stuff. As for the game on Sunday, who are you most looking forward to seeing play?
6: Um, well, of course, you know, the the Tom Brady, of course, you know, he's, it's not every time, you know, their dynasty that they built – uh, nine Super Bowl appearances and just being able to see him play live is pretty, I think, going to be pretty neat. Uh, my wife wouldn't let me wear my uh, Saints skull, skull cap uh, <laughs> because I wanted to, I would have liked to seen him and Drew Brees um, going against each other too, the old old, old guys. Uh, but it didn't work out. But I'm real excited because I've always been a fan of Todd Gurley's, and, uh, you know, I'm not really pulling for one team or the other, but I just sort of want to see the whole experience type of thing and just sort of take it all in, and my wife's real tickled about the whole thing. So it's it's been fun, been real that's, fun so far.
2: That's really cool. Kevin Sullivan, uh, Hall of Fame a high school coach in the state of Florida, coached at Jackson High School. Over there on Main Street, coach at Atlantic Coast, and most recently with Ed White High School, and recently retired for a second time. Did you retire for and good?
6: For good. Okay. As a head coach for good. Head good coach, coach for, for good. As head coach.
2: All right. Well, then I know you saw the news. You probably knew the news, but Wayne Belger announced his retirement from the bowl school. Uh, so yeah. if they give you a call like uh, in the next couple of minutes, you'll say, no, not interested.
6: Uh, I say they haven't really called me, but somebody did reach out, and uh, I told them no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you must not have seen my tweet Thursday then. <laughs> uh,
2: I, I, I did. <laughs> <I'm> not,
6: <laughs> so the first thing I said was, uh, I'm not going to Baker County or Bowles, number one,
5: PSA. <laughs>
2: uh, that's, hey, good. I always say enjoy retirement, man. Uh, what do you think they will do? Bowles, obviously, one of the, the the biggest programs in the state of Florida, what Corky Rogers did. What would you advise them to do? Is it a Joey Wiles type, or is it a younger guy to kind of turn over that program and start fresh?
6: Uh, I think they're going to go, personally, I think they're going to go younger, just, uh, just to turn it over. I haven't talked to anybody about it as far as, like, hey, Joey would be great, uh, Matt Toblin would be great. You know, I think there'd be there's a bunch of good dudes in that area. Uh, that I think would be outstanding. Um, you know, there's guys in that program that have coached that are that are bowls guys that are coaching. Funny, I texted uh, uh, the OC at Memphis, Ryan uh, Silverfield, that played at bowls way back in the day, and I was like, hey, you applied for this, and he didn't even know about it uh, um, yesterday, and um, he said, no, not yet for him. But I'm sure there's some guys that have played that are coaching. You know, that we don't know about that'll probably inquire about the job but I feel that they'll probably go younger uh, just because that sort of seems to be the new thing to do, going younger on everything.
3: Coach, you've had a kind of a firsthand seat as to being able to see what Bulls has done over these years. It's been so impressive and just so amazing, the, the consistency with which that Bulldogs program has uh, competed and performed so well in the postseason.
6: Oh yeah, without a doubt. I always kid those guys. They're the greatest coaches I've ever been around, and especially the last five or six, seven years. You know, uh, I'd go watch practice, and you know they they look like they got kids. They've got a few kids, but they don't have mass quantities of kids and these big monsters and everything. And to see them and watch them, and and over the years, and uh, it's been pretty neat uh, watching them play and just sort of doing it. You know, doing it with their guys and doing it their way, and you know, not getting caught up in everything, and just sort of doing it with the Bulls' way, I guess. And uh, you know, hats off to, of course, Corky, and they were—I was fortunate when I came to Jacksonville twenty-something years ago that those guys sort of, you know, reached out to me and took me under their wing a little bit and that, and sort of, sort of let me be a part of that from the outside, and uh, coached sort of some all-star games and, and those things. But they've always been great. Um, you know, it, it, it's in the business. As you get older, you know how it is. Things change, and and that and it, that program's been able to sustain for all those years
2: is tremendous. Uh, longtime coach in Jacksonville, Kevin Sullivan, on the phone with us. Uh, he is actually in Atlanta. Will go to the Super Bowl on Sunday. Won tickets to do so because of all his contributions to uh, high school football and the impact he's had on kids over the last few decades. I want to leave you with this. One more question: As you get out of it, where is the health? Of high school football, in general, but more specifically, in Northeast Florida.
6: Well, you know, the football's gotten a lot better over the years, it, not just in our county. And you know, like this year with the two public schools winning it and having no private schools there, I think that's that's a that's a tribute to what's gone on. Um, I, I, there's some really good schools on the outlines, you know, over at the Oakleaf and Ponte Beager and of course down in the St. Augustine area and Menendez had a great year in Baker County and that, um, I just a little bit worried about it. I'm just a little bit worried about it with the sort of Wild West mentality and all the transfers and, uh, all the stuff that's sort of going on in, in behind the scenes, um, I don't know if it's going to be good in the long runs. I don't know if the also-rans will ever catch back up. You know, when I when I went to Jackson many years ago, we were one of those down on our luck type of thing and built that program with our kids, the guys that wanted to be there. Um, I don't know if that's as, as uh, prevalent anymore, the pride of your school and the pride of why you play high school football and that. Um, it, it just sort of makes me a little bit nervous of the things that I've seen go on in the last three or four years.
3: Well, one good thing, Coach, you won't have to figure out an RPI. <laughs> that is right, and that is true. That is true. And I think that's a, you know,
6: I, I, I've i been there. I told somebody the other day, I said, you guys don't remember when the champion went. I was a head coach my first two years, and only the champion went, you know. Yeah. And uh, people look at me like, really? I go, yeah, sixteen teams made it. That was it. That and now it's, it. you know, but it, 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 they're trying to do more things, would make the regular season more important, and uh, and I couldn't, could commend them on that. But I don't want to take away from the districts and everything, and but. You know, this will be the new thing, and then in four years there'll be something else. So they're trying. That's <laughs> That's all I give them credit for. They're trying because there's a lot of things they don't have any control over. But at least they're trying to make it more competitive. And I think it, I think even what they did last year was more competitive. Even though it didn't quite work out the way they wanted.
2: Kevin Sullivan. But, uh, here in Atlanta, Super Bowl 53. Enjoy the game. We're going to get you on more down the line on ESPN 690 because I love hearing you talk about high school football, and I even want to get your thoughts, and I don't have time for it right now, on this whole Georgia pay system compared to Florida pay system because we're losing good coaches just a little to the north of us. Uh, so, and I know you'll, you'll have some good comments on that. But down the road, we'll talk about that. Until then, have a fantastic time with your wife and uh, at the game on Sunday.
6: Hey, I appreciate you guys. You guys enjoy yourself.
2: All right, Kevin Sullivan, uh, Hall of Fame football coach in the state of Florida, Uh, Ed White, Jackson, Atlantic Coast. Because of his services, he got free tickets from the NFL to Super Bowl 53. How cool is that? How cool is the next guy we've got on, Allen Robinson, former Jags player, current Chicago Bear and we talk about a lot of issues his relationship with Blake Bortles his relationship with Jacksonville how close he was to signing a big deal right around the time he got hurt in Jacksonville that's all next on ESPN 690. Welcome back here to Radio Row in Atlanta Georgia Super Bowl 53 Rams and Patriots just a couple of days away now Brent Martino. And Action Sports Jackson on ESPN six ninety and happy to be joined by Alan Robinson, the former Jacksonville Jaguars receiver, now Chicago Bears wide receiver. Always good to catch up with A Rob. Haven't seen you in a while, but man, we got to see you on the big stage in the postseason. Congratulations on a good year with the thank Chicago you, Bears. You, Congratulations that. on getting healthy and and really on that big stage you had probably your best game of the year. That must have been fun. I did it, it was actually very exciting. You know, for me, um,
9: from the prior year you know just just having to watch the playoff games and everything like that you know i told myself that whenever i got my opportunity my chance to really play in the playoffs you know that was something that i really didn't didn't take lightly at all you know all week you know for it to be my first playoff game you know it was a moment that you wait for your whole entire life you know i tell my dad that all the time i remember being six, seven, eight years old, playing in my little league playoff games and stuff like that, you know, and just kind of how at that point in time, like what that meant to me, you know. So to be able to be in the NFL on on the biggest stage in football to have a playoff game and to be a part of that playoff game, you know, for me was
2: definitely taken taken very seriously. We hear that all the time about you can't feel it. We can't feel it. You can, and you just did feel it. From training camp to regular season, two different animals. From regular season to postseason, Two different animals. Oh, definitely. Was definitely. it? And what did it feel like? Why was it so different?
9: I think um, the physicality of the game, you know, changes. You know, I think the referees allowed both teams to really decide or try to decide the game by their play, you know, as far as as far as just the physicalness of the game. You know, it wasn't many holding calls. I don't think it was maybe, maybe one defensive, you know, um, illegal contact or pass interference, if you will, in that game, you know, and 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 going into that game, that's what you know. You know, you know that's going to be a very physical game. The referees are going to let you guys play. You know, it's not going to be any ticky tack penalties or anything like that. You know, and and for me, I think that really. That really plays into my part as a as a receiver as well. You know, being able to be a little bit more physical, you know, at the line of scrimmage, maybe at the top of the route, you know.
2: And it was fun. It was a it was a very fun game. That's what I was thinking as you're describing. That, I said, "Oh, that's perfect right? Yeah, Rob. most I mean, That's your game. Go most wrestle definitely. wrestle the football away from definitely, somebody.
9: You know. And it was and it was to me. I mean, it was the most exciting game of the year. You know, um, just as far as you know, just just kind of how the game was being played,
2: the energy involved with the game, and everything. Let me take you back a little bit. Then, how tough was last year with the ACL first play of the game, essentially in Houston? And then the Jags have this success. You had to live through the the misery, right, of those seasons. You had been part of that. Most definitely. And to not be able to participate and be a factor, and, and boy, I don't know where you would have helped take this offense if you were a factor in 2017, but how tough was that mentally for you?
9: It was extremely tough. You know, I remember leaving the wild card game against Buffalo at halftime. You know, um, being down on the field for that game and seeing, seeing the stadium be sold out, you know, for me personally, I had never saw or felt that kind of energy in Jacksonville mm-hmm. the whole entire time I was there. You know, so, so to really be a part of, you know, the three and 13s, the five and 11s and everything like that, to see that wild card energy and to see, you know, what could have possibly shaped up of that season, you know, I mean, it definitely was frustrating. You know, it was, it was very frustrating, you know, especially for me because I feel like, me personally, I had the best offseason, you know, and 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 me specifically, I was extra honed in in that offseason, not because it was just my contract year, but also because, you know, for us as a team and for me as a player, I had a statement to prove, you know, um, I had an awesome year in year two, you know, year three um, didn't go so well. So year four for me. You know was definitely big. You know, and I knew that. You know, and I knew that for me, as far as you know, I just wanted to be that player that that everybody
2: had had saw before. You know, so again, um, for me, I put a lot into that. I tell you what, I've been around there more than a decade now, and I think you had the one of the best training camps I've ever seen, going into. I mean, you were you were, you had put the work in. You had played so well. If everybody can get their mind back to, not last year's training camp, but the year prior when you were out there. You had a tremendous camp. You were catching everything. So I know what you're saying and for it to all fall apart. But I got it. So you really left at halftime of the Buffalo game? You couldn't yeah, take well, it anymore? Yeah,
9: it was um a big thing of it too was I had been I had left because um for me, um I had been leaving because of the traffic and and, and everything like that, being injured and stuff, and that's kinda what they advised me. I mean I could have stayed the whole game, you know, but it was also it was also just a feeling, you know, um when I was there and again to just kinda see how to how the stadium erupted after the national anthem and everything like that, you know, it was tough. You know, um, me personally, it was the toughest game that I had to watch uh, from the sideline since I've been in the NFL. You know, And, and I think the biggest thing of it was, you know, the the game after that and even the New England game both of those were away you know so it was a different feeling yeah. you know to be able to to see how Jacksonville was you know in that wild card game you know was pretty unique I mean it was something that I hadn't saw before you know being there for
2: being there for four seasons well we talk to guys all the time when they get hurt and they say it is it's almost uh, it's, it can be depressing at times when Most you're hurt definitely. because you're so separated from the guys that you go to work with and you know and you love but you're so and that's a perfect example of definitely, it right there definitely
9: you know i mean it's a it's a big separation you know for me um um, a lot of guys and coaches and everything still came in there and checked on me, you know, throughout the course of my rehab and everything like that, you know. But, but it's nothing like being out on that on that grass with those guys, you know. Um, it's a it's a totally different feeling. No matter how much guys check on you, no matter how much you're involved in meetings or anything like that, you know, it's just not the
2: same. How did you help Marquise? How much context uh, uh, contact uh, in terms of talking to him? Because when Marquise signed, he was first of all surprised that he signed and got a deal because they he thought the money would go toward you, and then I remember him telling us, saying, hey, it's tough without A-Rod, man. That, that was my guy. So I know you're pretty close. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and and then he gets hurt yeah. like that, like you had done uh, the year prior. Did you help him through it? Yeah, you know, I'm just, just, standing, just standing in contact with him, you know, just kind of
9: letting him know some of the steps uh, along the way. You know, I mean, I've told him that, you know, it's going to be times where you know it's not it's not easy at all. You know where you just gonna want to wake up and be a hundred percent. You know, but at the same time you still have to mold your body and still have to contour your body to be back to that standpoint. You know, and, and it is frustrating. You know, and and for a guy like like Marquise, you know, I, I know that he'll be he'll be back. You know, and um and um he has the work ethic. You know, he has the athletic ability. You know, he has everything to bounce back from something like that. You know, so but at the end of the day as well,
2: like I said before, it's just a process. You know, it's a process that you have to mentally stay strong through. The week before the season, 2017, I think it was Labor Day weekend, I've heard, I don't know if this is fact, I've heard that there was some overtures for a contract extension for you to try to get things done. How close were you guys to getting something done that Labor Day weekend, a week before the season started and you got hurt?
9: Yeah, I would say that that we were decently close, you know... um um, we were decently close, you know. At the time, um, everything just kind of wasn't just kind of wasn't wasn't um, aligning, you know. So I mean, we were we were still off a little bit, you know. But there definitely were attempts, you know, on on both sides, you know. But at the time, we couldn't get it figured it out, you know. And and then and then by that time, a little bit after that, you know, the the season has started and everything like that, you know. And just kind of me and my agents thought it was thought it would be best, you know, to just go ahead and focus on the season, you know, at that standpoint and not, you know, kind of just have have the going the going back and forth, you know. But unfortunately, you know, third play of the game, um. Um, I had a
2: season in the injury. Yeah, do you think if you didn't get hurt, you guys would have figured something out maybe during the course of the season? Um,
9: I mean, I think it's I think it's a great uh, possibility, you know. What I mean, but it's still it's still tough to say as far as the uh, the uh, organization, you know, they had some moving pieces in this league. You know, without without having talent, without having playmaking ability, you know, you know it's tough to win games. All right. You know, so um so um I wasn't shocked and you know again um for me I'm um, just talking to my agent, you know, he had a good feel in the market and everything like that, you know, which helped me, you know, stay stay true and stay confident to everything that we had talked about before.
2: Yeah, which is awesome and then I take care of your family and, and set you up yeah, to go have a have a lot of success. And, and
9: again, you know, having having a great opportunity, you know, another thing that, that was big for me was, was uh was uh the Bears coach, Coach Nagy, you know, yeah. at the time. You know, so so um so once I saw Coach Nagy, you know, um uh, get signed by Chicago you know just the just the kind of offense and the kind of scheme that I saw him have in Kansas City I knew right then and there you know that that would be something that would be best for me not just for you know, just signing there, you know, to help my family and everything, but really for my career, you know. Um, I mean, he puts guys in in great situations. He has a great feel for the game, play calling wise, and he has a great scheme, you know. So, um, for me, that was that
2: was the trump card right there. Yeah, and it's worked out pretty well. He seems like a good offensive mind. That offense seems to develop. You have a lot of weapons on yep, that offense. Yep. But when did you feel back to? Alan Robinson, the player you think you can be the $13 million guy, because coming off that ACL, it's not interesting. No, it's, I mean, yeah, not easy. We, we've seen it with like Cinderick Marks in the past. Remember when he had the ACL, yeah. and he even said, it was tough to get back. It was tough. How um, long did it take you to get back to say, all right, I was here in the
9: game where I felt best like my, well, the moment I felt best like myself in game and everything, I would say would be a Miami Dolphins game. Um, I think that game right there, I think early in the season, you know, again, um, just being limited through training camp and everything like that, you know, and not just limited because of the injury, but also, you know, again, just because my body is just getting back used to taking that workload, you know. So so the first game uh, of the season, the second game, you know, my body, again, hadn't hadn't taken hits in a while, you know, hadn't taken that many hits, played, against, played that many plays and stuff. So Miami Dolphins game was the game where I felt – where I felt like I was back to myself and back to back to making back to making some of the plays. You know, I think I had a I had a back shoulder catch against uh, Miami on the sideline, you know, and that and that play right there for me was like exactly how I had been playing, you know, being able to stretch out, make plays, you know, create explosive
2: plays and do everything like that. People always talk about you and say, Yeah, I just not sure he's a number one guy. Uh, you hear it. <laughs> yeah. I know you hear it. What do you think about it when people say that and, and where is your game growing to to, to maybe prove those people wrong
9: yeah you know um at the end of the day you know um it's funny because it's funny because maybe one of my buddies was just talking about that you know i think that for for me per se as a player you know i think it's a lot of it's a lot of things that a lot of people say you know people people quote guys as speed guys you know like what what is the definition of a speed guy you know i think when you look at my at my average yards per catch you know um over the course of my career you know especially in year two three and five you know in years that i've played you know um um most of the of the games you know when you look at my catch average and stuff like that is i mean it's right on pace you know for what you would mm-hmm. consider a speed guy yeah you know, yeah. You know as far as the but game, nobody I think, says alan robinson's exactly. fast i think my best year i, <laughs> I averaged 17 and a half yards of catch or something in that in that nature you know yep. so being able to do that you know being able to to just make all the plays across the board you know i think it just kind of depends on what you kind of what you kind of consider a number one receiver you know but I would, I would consider myself that you know again um when my number is called you know i go out there and make plays you know i think that's i think that was evident this season as well you know i mean whenever my number was called it wasn't too many times where you know i wasn't making plays when plays not only needed to be made but also when the ops came you know and again i mean that's that's what i was brought to chicago for
2: again you know just to just to make plays yeah and you did it uh, especially at the big moments uh, later in the year as we wrap up with you first of all how many coats do you have in chicago because it's Man, a little different weather now. I have to
5: get now. some more. I can tell you that I haven't.
9: Luckily, I haven't been been back in Chicago since the Arctic blast <laughs> happened, so I have avoided that. But I'm definitely gonna have to bring some coats back when I go. Um, cause I didn't, I didn't, I actually came from uh came from Jersey, so um I didn't come here with a coat. So if I'm going back to Chicago after here, I
2: definitely will need a coat. I'll I'll tell you that.
9: Cody a big Park. One.
2: Cody, yeah, you should do. Cody Parky. How much have you guys supported him? How tough is that from athlete to athlete? Easy for everybody on the outside world to rip it. Um, it's a tough stage to be on and, and a tough no, moment to it's a have, tough right?
9: Situation, you know. I think it's a tough situation more so because of the simple fact that you know you have to live with that through the whole off season. You know, you don't have a time to to redeem yourself until next season. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so tough, you know. But it's funny because I said the same thing as far as you know when you look at um, it's, it's been a lot of talks of. You know, should they be able to challenge flags and everything like that as far as the referees? You know, for me personally, I don't believe that because I feel like as nobody gets a second chance in a game, whether it's a kicker whether it's a coach throwing a challenge flag, whether it's a player not getting his foot down, you know, so same thing as far as refs and just across the board. Which is funny because I kind of talked about it on Twitter a little bit, but you know, I don't think that anybody should kind of get the second chance. And once that flag goes down, you can pick it up. But as far as being, as far as being uh, reviewed. You know, I don't think that that should be able to to happen. You know, it's a it's a, it's something that happens in a moment. You know, just as far as the Cody Parkey thing, you know, a miss is something that Cody Parkey has to has to live with throughout the course of the offseason until he gets his next opportunity. You know, and and I think he do well with his next opportunity. You know, but it's one of those things that you have to live with. Same thing as far as a referee in that game. You know, as as he didn't throw the flag. You know, so that's something that he should have to live with until next season. It's great you know, explanation. it should be something that should have to be. Review, you know, to say, okay, that was pass interference, you know, because nobody else can review any type of play or anything that at that time doesn't happen. You know, coaches can't review, like I said before, they can't go back and say, oh, I shouldn't have called that timeout, or I shouldn't have did this, or let me stop it right here, you know, or nobody gets that chance.
2: That's a very good explanation of it. Very good. One. I think from a player's perspective, that's I mean, it's no different than you dropping a pass. You got to live game with so it. So
9: special, you know. Again, I mean, you have coaches who are in big moments to make calls you have players in big moments to make plays you know you have referees in big moments you know to make calls so i think that's i think that's what makes the game so special in the in the nature of the game
2: all right two more questions you got to set the record straight how real was that whole training camp the thing with you and blake that got obviously went viral <laughs> and what is your or was your relationship with blake your thoughts on Obviously, the quarterback in Jacksonville who might no longer be in Jacksonville um, when March comes around.
9: Me and Blake had a good relationship. You know, we've even we've even talked to um and we had a couple uh short conversations. You know, throughout the course of the season. You know, um I saw some of the some of the some of the heat he was taking and, and stuff like that. And as far as me playing with a guy like that, you know, um um I, I was able to to contact him and tell him, you know, just just to keep battling. You know, to keep battling. You know, don't let anything phase you. You know, so um I think that I think that me and Blake relationship was a lot better was a lot better than than, than many people kinda of portrayed it to be. You know, at the end of the day, that was my teammate for four years. You know, we came in the same draft class together, you know, we went through a lot of ups and downs together. You know, so um, again, um I think it was very good. You know, like I said before, I mean I even talked to him throughout the course of this season, you know, I know he was going through some things, you know, and just for me as a player, you know who has gone through some things as well and play with him, you know, just to be able to talk to him and tell him, you know, to to keep his head up. You know what I mean? He's played well in this league, and, and he knows he can make plays in this league. You know, don't let the media beat you up too much. You know what I mean? The media wants to beat up everybody they can. The media is like a bully.
5: Mm-hmm.
9: You know, if you allow them to beat you up, they're going to do it. You know, so just – you know, to go out there and just try to, you know, to do his thing. So, um, again, I think we have a, I think we have had, you know, and a good relationship. But I think we still have a good relationship.
2: Yeah, well said. Uh, all right, one last one for you. Did you need a change of scenery? I, I wondered that. I'm not. I'm gonna be honest with you. I said I, don't, I don't know if he feels great in Jacksonville. I, 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 I don't know yeah. if you need a Chicago or if you need a, a Dallas or a, a New York. I, I, I wondered that out loud. I mean, sometimes, and I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Is it yeah. better that? Were you not the greatest fit for Jacksonville for you personally? I mean, I think Jacksonville needs you. Uh, We said that, too. But did you need to get out of Jacksonville? I'm going to be honest. For me and my career,
9: yes. Based off the simple fact that, you know, even even, – and this is even something I feel like about Blake, you know, it's very tough in this league to play with numerous offensive coordinators. You know, to have multiple coaches, it's a lot. It's a lot of moving pieces And it's a lot of revolving doors, you know, so for me to be able to get to Chicago, you know, when they were getting um, their head coach in place, you know, when they have their quarterback in place, you know, and everything like that, you know, going into work and everything like that, it was it was everybody was on the same page always. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, from from my uh, rookie year, we had a different offensive coordinator second year. You know, we had a great year with Coach Ole, you know, six or seven games into the next year we fire Coach Ole. You know, now we have interim Coach Hackett, you know, then we fire Coach Bradley. Now we have Coach Marone, you know, and then we and then and then they have Nate Hackett through that year and a little bit of this year. Now they fire Nate Hackett, you know. So it's like it's tough. You know, as a player, it's extremely tough. And especially when these people are the head guys of the offensive side of the ball, the side that you're on, it's it's a lot of different schemes. So it's a, it's a lot going on. To whereas you're trying to figure everything out, you know, playing with different coaches and you know everybody having their different opinion and where they see you at, and, and you know it's a lot of it's a lot going on, you know, and it's tough, you know. So I can only imagine how it could be, you know, for 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 a quarterback because as as receivers, you know, me, Alan Hearns, even Marquise Lee, you know, we felt the difference of just, you know, as far as how Alan Hearns, you know, fit into Coach Coach uh, Ole's scheme, you know, a scheme that really utilized the slot you know, and the slot had a lot of different chances and a lot of different opportunities, you know, based on compared to Coach Hackett, you know, where it was kind of a different, you know, run the ball down the field kind of guy, you know. So, I mean, as a player, you know, you do feel that, you know. And for me, I feel like I can fit into any scheme, you know, but, but it's tough, you know, when you have, when you're trying to just learn and trying to adapt to,
2: New coaches and, and and new schemes. You know, every year and some change. It's it's, it's very tough. Extremely well said, Candid Allen Robinson. Looks like you're in a good scheme right now, man. Most Congrats. definitely. Most I love it. I love it. Can't complain by any means. Congratulations. Have a good offseason season and uh, go kill it next year with in Thank Chicago. You. I appreciate it. Allen Robinson on ESPN 690, former Jags receiver, had a huge playoff game for the Chicago Bears. Wish him the best. As he moves forward in his career, we'll see what the Jags do. A lot point toward that quarterback spot. Uh, We'll be talking so much more about it. It was good to talk about the Jags Super Bowl week. Someday we'll talk about the Jags in the Super Bowl. Fantastic job by Stuart Weber. Great job by Marcel Robinson and Austin Lane here all week in Atlanta at Super Bowl 53. Nice job back home, Justin Kuzart. We'll talk more NBA next week, I promise.
8: All right, that's
3: fine. (laughs) D-Wade and uh, Dirk. Earning spots in the All-Star game yeah. by, by special order of the commission. Very good. Drive-In Dish podcast. Check it out. A new one drops this weekend. And uh,
2: have a good weekend, Kuz. Thanks to Vito Stolino, Mike Gola, Carson Tinker, Cliff Avery, Yannick Ngakwe, Alan Robinson, Sean O'Hara, all for coming on on a Friday, including Jetfish as well. What a show. We had a lot of fun. And now it's time to do a little TV this weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. And watch CBS 47 and Fox 30. I'll see you on TV.